0: All right, clap sync. Three, two, one. Wow, that one actually sounded really good.
1: Yeah, it was we so yeah. Which counterintuitively yeah. means it's probably really bad, <laughs> I, I think, if I understand <laughs> the technology correctly. But, you know, we got, we'll get it done.
0: <laughs> You know, right write in at tyranny of thumbs at gmail.com if you thought the clap sync this week was on Wow. Point. Just plug in the Gmail right off the <laughs> bat. It's also today. hilarious, too,
1: because right. they can't know. They can't know if it's good or bad, but like, yeah, fuck it. If you got an opinion, sure. (laughs) I'm sorry.
2: They can know because I listened to the beginning of our podcast and it's
1: just like, yeah, (laughs) like that's how it sounds. Exactly. So in other words, if it doesn't sound like that, then it's really bad
3: right there because those are
1: perfectly aligned
3: i trust what you were saying because you do the audio i do not claim to understand it.
1: oh my god it's so exciting that people trust me because if you saw what i it's like it's like i am essentially an animal touching a keyboard when it comes to like you don't have be like those like cats just like hitting the keyboard and shit just like, was it a keyboard, keyboard cat, cat, and cat? Shit? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you guys remember although it was an actual
0: text? keyboard of a piano keyboard not an actual computer keyboard
1: that would explain why none of the shit on my computer is doing anything (laughs) just hitting a fucking (laughs) like keyboard (laughs) slash xylophone over the fucking yeah okay um so i'm gonna do this really fast oh perfect i am gonna immediately bow out and let zoe actually rock this (laughs) shit is what i'm gonna do and i'm gonna do it fucking fast i'm gonna do it right now
0: perfect we are the tyranny of thumbs a gaming podcast who plays a game each week and then we talk about it sometimes we play a game that takes two weeks and that is what we are doing this week we are finishing off and discussing the rest of super giants third game pyre which mm. i am so pumped about because this game brought a lot more to the table than i anticipated and i am so ready to just get right into it and like get into the nitty-gritty
1: yeah and i think holy shit maybe the first thing that at least we want to t- we can touch it on in more detail later or throughout any of anybody's sections or anything that people want to talk about but i would just reiterate quickly right here at the top of the second part of our discussion of this game wow did it bring so much more to the table than i feel like any of us thought maybe even including people who have beaten this game before i don't know but the point is if you out there haven't played it i i think this has got to be at least a sign to play it get past your initial uh, hurdle and expectation of this game because there is more here uh, Indeed. i'm to so yeah.
0: tread tread lightly Absolutely. spoilers abound in the coming hours of our conversation so that this is your first and final warning uh mm-hmm. because we will we will spoil um but yeah and you know thankfully we are joined this week again by elena and rafael once again uh-huh. and this time, Raphael actually put in notes in our Discord of things he wanted to talk about for Pyre this week. But one of them, which was very quite obvious, that we didn't really even get to in the first episode all that much, but it was the actual gameplay, or as Raphael so eloquently puts it, "duh basketball emoji." <laughs> 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 so, mm-hmm. so yeah, like the I guess the action portion of pyre is this game like we did try to describe it a little bit last week but it is this like basketball pseudo football like it's a bunch of other sports but it's essentially basketball being shot towards goals for the most part and it's like three on three um and I'm just kind of gonna like open it up to the floor here but like what did you guys think of the action first, because it's so unique compared to what most uh action games offer that aren't just straight up sports games.
1: Right. And I, I wanted to actually start with that. And I will be happy to talk about my opinions and thoughts of it. But you see, like, it starts with basketball, right? It always starts with basketball. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that. And we are talking about the basketball portion of this game. So, like, fair play, we're not talking about the, you know, the narrative. We're not talking about the, the written... There was a better word for that genre. It doesn't matter. But the point is, like, it yes, basketball, but then you could see... So he was trying to say words like action and action game. And actually, that is the part of it, I think, that was really, really not communicated that I actually really enjoyed. Turns out you roll around and blow shit up too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you shoot range projectiles at people and knock them off the field. Like, you attack people. You know what I mean?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And That's right. this is a part of it that... Basketball games don't have, and that I feel like I miss in basketball games. And I'm not here to like make the declaration. It's like the burnout revenge of basketball games. Exactly. (laughs) Or the burnout (laughs) takedown, if you want to go even more. Or paradise or whatever. Yeah, so I would say takedown. But revenge after that, pretty good follow up. But yeah, like, but so in other words, what is that comparison? Beautiful comparison. Love that comparison. That is a racing game from back in the day on the PlayStation 2, and then of course later. Uh, another one on the PlayStation 2 and then three later with with um Paradise. But it's a racing game, but like the premise of it is like you're supposed to smash into each other and like essentially take down your opponent racers. Whereas like in more sim style racing, especially ones where it's like, you know, if you even see like GTA R P online and stuff, they're like, bro, don't hit my car because then I gotta go repair it and shit. Mm-hmm. Like don't scuff this. Like there's this like, you know, sort of gentleman's agreement, um, not to smash each other because especially if you're actually racing, um, you could die uh, really easy. And so in Burnout Takedown, it's the total opposite. It is about destroying your opponent's car in the flashiest, most slow-mo way possible. And it's that action component of it that kind of makes it fun because, hey, it's a video game. So there's definitely some of that aspect here. Uh, There is a lot of action. There's a lot of kind of shooting and dodging and all of that stuff in this game and i think that is actually what keeps me interested way more than the basketball the basketball is a a, a part of it but if it was just a sim basketball game man i'm I'm out a million times over the fact that there's Mm -hmm. so much more going on there is actually what i really enjoyed about it did anybody else have a similar experience that there's like more to just the sim basketball
5: uh yeah i mean i would say like basketball is sort of the superficial framework in, in which it exists but it's It's honestly got like things in common with MOBAs as well, for example. Yeah. Because like you've got like different types of heroes basically with different abilities and they work differently. Like so, some of them like the the Saps like Volfrid are really focused on like zoning, uh. While others are like all about speed and like running around your opponents, uh. And then you've got ones that like I don't know can fly over obstacles, uh, and all sorts of stuff. And you've got like skill shots even. even. Yeah. Yeah throwing you got ones that like are really weird like tizo who like will suicide bomb and can like Mm -hmm. leave teleporting things for the teammates and all sorts of cool things like that
1: yeah and there's also the level up trees that uh within each character which Mm -hmm. they've been doing a lot um here and they clearly love it these sort of simple level up trees it's very bastion like in that way um but it allows you to like change your play style a little bit with this character and like figure out what you want to do with it and, and that stuff's cool too so it yeah it's way more deep james were, do you want to jump on this too oh no i mean i was just making agreement noises i <laughs> <laughs> agree with your yeah. agreement noises? noises i will
2: so yeah no i so like- i i really really enjoyed it um the the skill the the um mild anger when things are a little bit floaty and don't do exactly what you wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and
0: James, I think you had described it last week for like you, it was like really high adrenaline. Like it was mm-hmm. intense adrenaline rushes as you were playing it. Um, yeah. I seem to recall. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Fact, they James. do some really great things. um, Like little polish things. Like when you dunk, it's this like super satisfying um, event. Um you yeah, like deal damage character. to their pyre your character, character like,
5: like jumps into the air with the
1: celestial orb and then like smashes down into it and it's like, yeah, or, like mm-hmm. or something, and it's yeah. done <laughs> yes yeah the announcer's <clears throat> obviously in full force during this part of the mode as well
4: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: he's sassy during it too if like one of yeah. your people mm-hmm. gets like you know taken out by a projectile he's like oh goodbye rookie <laughs> like <laughs>
3: Yeah, he gets to, like, as we get into the second half of this game, increasingly salty, I guess I would say, as you go. Mm. Um, And I I really enjoyed that progression over the game. Like, because in some of the final um, battles, basketball games that you're doing, he's, like, kind of nasty. And I liked it.
2: He's actively rooting against you, yeah.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I didn't play, obviously, McCoy controlled this part. Yeah. But I feel like part of what we struggled with last week, and I still think is worth pointing out, is that, like, the word used to describe this game mode is always basketball. Mm -hmm. Because it's sort of, like, the closest reasonable thing anyone can think of. But I feel like calling it it basketball is what made me and McCoy not play this game Mm -hmm. whenever it came out Mm -hmm. a couple years ago. And it's just, it's not, like, yes, technically, there's a ball. And sometimes you throw it into the pyre, and sometimes you dunk it into the pyre, and you can pass it. And that's all basketball-esque, but it's, I don't know, it's also really not, if you're like sitting here thinking like, basketball doesn't sound like fun, why would I play that? Like, it's really not basketball.
1: Yeah, it's actually like, like... uh...
0: go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, I I like your guys' description (laughs) of it being more like a MOBA game, though. Mm -hmm. I think that is a more accurate way, especially in a video game space, to represent it like that mainly because of each character's abilities and stats and whatnot. Like, I feel like we struggle to define this game the same way as somebody who would try to explain, like, League of Legends to a non-video game person would try and, like, you know, it's like you're kind of, you're trying to defend your towers, but you're also trying, it's like oh, capital the defense, flip. yeah. like yeah, like, <laughs> and, but, like, none of, like, all, it's, it's all, like, subsets of particular, but it's not, like, an over-encapsulating, uh, you know, definition. Um, yeah. I do like though, like yeah, like a MOBA just seems like the best in terms of like a character has like one or two abilities that they try mm-hmm. to maximize. Really, yeah,
1: and and like basketball is a sport. Okay, huge statement. Um, but like, <laughs> but it controversial. is controversial. I know exactly. This is where <laughs> we stand. Um, guys, are you with me? But like, yeah. So it's it's a, a sport, but it's not the only sport. In fact, most or not most, many sports have a very similar structure to Mm -hmm. this. This is like a distillation of sports, right? It's like, can you get the ball to the other side of the field? That also describes soccer, right? That also football, rugby, rugby. Um, I mean, I don't even know hockey. Polo. Yeah, like exactly. Exactly. Ooh. Ooh that's interesting water polo also yeah so like in other words like but but when you instead of doing that instead of like having because you can't right in the short form and we really talked about this a lot but like you know and i think we'll get back into it eventually but you know the gaming sphere missed this this shit really hard and to say that you think and and part of it's because they have to be shorthand about it they have to be pithy in their ability to describe this game and when they say basketball it kind of you get specific in your head, I think at least I did, where mm-hmm. it was like, oh, specifically basketball, but not soccer and not the other thing and not hockey and not all those lists of games that we talked about. And actually, no, it is a distillation of essentially sport, um, especially some of the older sports. It's a distillation of sport. And it it's it, – even that like fits the theme of the game and everything. So it's, it's mm-hmm. so much – more that than it is just basketball because then the whole time you're sitting there going like well in basketball you can't do this <laughs> and it's like that's just so it's traveling the wrong way traveling yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah and
5: that, yeah and i mean i think the other thing is like actually the mechanics are an extremely small part of the game i would say
4: mm-hmm.
5: like it's it's also got this huge visual novel portion and mm-hmm. It doesn't really give you the option to skip it in the same way that you can skip the rights, even. Like, everything will still happen. Like, you, it doesn't like, it's not like you have to restart your game if you just, like, botch the rights. Uh, but, like, you will have to, like, at least
1: click through a whole lot of text. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you should probably restart your game if you botch the narrative part of it. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
5: yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Although actually, yeah. I mean, the narrative was intentionally designed in this really clever way to make that not a thing. In the same way that they did it with the rights.
1: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Right. But,
0: like boy. I think I said like last week, one of my biggest fears, especially since I I think starting out with this game, I actually struggled with the controls of the rights um mm-hmm. a little bit. Like it it is it does take some getting used to, I would think. Um, I found it to just to be very fast-paced. And when you're trying to yeah. kind of figure out tactics, while the enemy team, like, if you play it on, I guess, normal difficulty, like, they they do retaliate, like, quite, like, in a rather smart manner. It's not, like, impossible. But, like, you do have to be quick-thinking. And for me, it took a while to grasp that. Um, and so for a while there, I was fearful because I was afraid if I lost a lot of rights, the game would outscale me and I would like get the bad ending of the game because I right. lost so many. Um, and I I guess like for any of you guys like thinking about playing this game who ignored our spoiler section, and I'm still <laughs> listening to this, if you want tips, like if you're finding yourself getting frustrated with the rights, uh what i actually did was i went down to easy difficulty i c- did some practicing there but also there's the practice rights that you can do in the orb as well um but i did like do some practice on an easier difficulty and then i once i got the mechanics mastered on how i wanted to move the ball or the orb or how i wanted to play uh then i switched back to normal and even applied a couple Titan stars by the end. Uh, But I do will say, like, I think it is a longer process to get used to the movement of the action part of this game, like the, you know, the the sports part of this game, however we want to call it the rights. Like, I think it does take repetition to get used to it. Um, And, that's okay like you're, you you yeah. may not be used to it even after the first like loop that you do i think i finally got comfortable with it towards the end of the second loop maybe um and that's think, a lot
5: i think one of the complications there is also that the different characters actually move rather differently uh so like mm-hmm. bertrude and gilman slide a lot more for
1: example mm-hmm. and some of the f- and by the yeah. way the fast people in the game are fast like I mean, dude, like sometimes I struggle to even chase him. Yeah, with there my was a eyes. point
3: where with like with Gilman I was like, Oh, I should just put more speed on him and you're like, Whoa. I can't. I cannot put more speed on <laughs> him. Can't. He would be out of control. <laughs>
1: He's already out of control. Um there are moments where it feels like my subconscious body is like taking the wheel with some of those mm-hmm. fast characters, and if they smash into a wall for my entire stamina bar, that's what happens. Um <laughs> and it did happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's happened. But 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 so what I would say is that in, in a distillation of sport, which I really want, I, I like that description of this here, there are sport-like qualities to this gameplay that, you know, I think a lot in the context of Valorant here, because we've obviously talked about that a lot. But the point is that there are so many aha moments with these games that are sport-like. Aha moments being like, oh, I've never thought of it that way. And then you start trying something different. And then you start sort of like building a new skill set. And those just naturally cannot come to you at first. You have to get them. So, for example, in this game, there are things like like one time. And by the way, I will say, this is an incredible detail from this game. The enemies show you high level strats and you have to see it. And you can see it a couple of times before you recognize what the fuck just happened. Mm-hmm. Here's an example of a high level strat. They run up to you, throw you the ball, then kill you once you catch it. That is a high level strategy and they will do it to you. And you can realize that you can do it to them. But that is the sort of thing that you would not get on a first couple tries, mm-hmm. you just wouldn't. But that's okay because that sort of aha moments, there's a bunch of them in this game in terms of how to actually move and how to actually play your characters and how to like sort of move the ball and pass. And like, what what is all of that about? Is it good to have the ball? Is it not good to have the ball? Like, should I just be attacking them? When you start to answer these questions, you do do you do better, and you, you... said do do. God damn it! Yes, you Any do, do better. <laughs> <laughs> you do better. I just want to just I just want to lead like leave like an appropriate level of silence there just to like <laughs> just make James really like a... <laughs>
3: feel what he said.
1: <clears throat> exactly. Oh my goodness. But um. But, but you know what I'm saying? Like, y- you feel better and you do get better at the game and you do understand it mm-hmm. more in a sport-like way and it does a really good job of doing that. And it turns out that sort of getting better, that sort of, I'm not sure if it's exactly mastery or what it is exactly, but that those aha moments that where you sort of switch your ga- approach and game plan and game style, those are really satisfying mm-hmm. in all sorts of games, Valorant included, and this one as well. So... It's just really cool that there is that depth to the gameplay. Like it isn't just like, oh cool, you can just like I just did this. Like for instance, you know, this could have been a JRPG, right? And there is some depth to that combat sure, but but usually they're tuned in such a way where you know, you can just attack for the most part and call it a day as long as you buff a little bit. And that's all right, right? That would have fit this game just fine, but there is actually this gameplay that has some mastery to it, which is pretty cool and I will admit myself I i thoroughly enjoyed it like i just i enjoyed it every time um
5: i think this is actually something that like transistor for example really struggled with is like getting you to learn about the different combinations and how they would Mm -hmm. like actually uh work out in gameplay it's like having it be a symmetric game uh just it really solves that problem well by like allowing them to just show you a strat
2: right
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. i mean like i think yeah i guess the only way that transistor really did it was like through the sandbox mode like i know if they put like a couple like sort of presets on to show you a combination that could be lethal that's really the only like maybe parallel that i can do
4: mm-hmm.
0: uh, that i can make with this and like arguably like be if you don't feel like you can observe the enemy's movements in Pyre and try to replicate them. I also think the Scribe Trials uh, for each of your companions also exemplifies ways that you can abuse your character's, like, strengths. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, I think Tizo's Scribe Trial, I I struggled with so much with Tizo's Scribe Trial because he's up against, like, all of these really fast people, and I never really knew exactly how to, like, handle them because you know obviously he Tizo's cast is a suicide bomb so I would just die and then the quick people would come up and douse my pyre I would pick up the orb but then I don't have very fast movement speed so they would just kill me there and then I realized oh Tizo's strength is that he just has a really gigantic aura yeah. mm-hmm. so I just went around not picking up the orb but just like knocking out everybody first and then picking up the orb. and like and so it was mm-hmm. just that aha moment of like ah Tizo's not supposed to be the one trying to get the ball. Rather, he should be on the sidelines, like, taking out people just with the sheer size of the aura around him.
1: Oh, and that's mm-hmm. MOBA-like, too. Like, I mean, think mm-hmm. about it. You're describing it in the same way that people describe for, like guides and stuff for League, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Syndra wants to do this. This is what she's built to do. This mm-hmm. is what she does. And it's like Tizo wants to do these sorts of things. And once you... um recognize that you do find i found at least success in every single character Mm -hmm. when i understood what they wanted to do
5: i think like on the the last episode we had for pyre you you said you hadn't you didn't like see what hedwin was for Mm -hmm. and i was like well he's a support character and like that again is
1: fitting into that model it's like he's Mm -hmm. he's buffing his teammates yeah oh my god you guys like this this is so much deeper than it was ever given credit for it's actually crazy like and you know, I would say, like, they – they how do I put it? It's like the one thing here that I would say works against it, and maybe James talked about this last week as well a little bit, is that you – they're very careful with how much of this game they let you play in the mm-hmm. story. Now, there is practice, and there are those uh, trials uh, scribe trials or whatever which are awesome and they're by the way really kind of short and there's not like seven levels deep of each of them and then like that you know seven times 15 roster like no there's like one per character and they sort of come online at a reasonable cadence and you mm-hmm. always feel re- like when they come online they're like, willing to be like oh i was gonna maybe stop but i'll i'll play that first so that works all great but they really are careful to not overwhelm you with this game mode and the downside of that in these mastery type games, is that you do find yourself uh, spreading your reps out quite a bit, and I could see that like to some people. <coughs> Sorry, oh,
3: no. I'm fine.
1: I'm totally fine. I put my throat is my too. Okay. Do um,
3: you want some water? I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> no,
1: uh, but the point is, in these mastery type games. Uh, quick reps can be how you overcome certain things. And they are so very careful to not give you quick re- uh, reps in this game mm-hmm. because they favored, uh, obviously the story, the downtime in-, in between the Oregon Trail elements, but they also favored the build up, the epic buildup to these rights. Every time, music cutting in, people talking trash, the announcer talking trash, like the pan on the field, right? Like mm-hmm. the starts from the sky and all of that, by the way, fucking worked for me. I oh, love yeah. mm-hmm. the build up to the I think like rights. the
3: packaging around each right is super awesome. And like stayed incredibly epic the whole way through the game. And I think it's partially because they didn't let you do it that many. I mean you do it quite a bit. But not that many times. You don't get sick of it. But also like it's just really good. Like the voice of. He's called the voice. It also
2: changes but... every time.
3: Yeah. It's yeah. like a little mm-hmm. bit different every time. So it keeps <clears> you engaged. <throat> but it's also it is like really good. Like the voice of the voice is so dope, um, mm-hmm. it always hits, and the music is amazing. And
1: and yeah. the people you're fighting are so unique. The battlefields are different and interesting. It it just it makes it feel special every time. And and that is the opposite of reps. And I think that's sort of like something that might, uh, fight against it a bit in some way. But I think. I mean for me personally, like I think it they succeed at what they want to do. Just mm-hmm. make that shit epic.
0: Yeah, the, the the this concept of teams that you're up against is one thing that I just I really liked that they did. Just these other triumvants, these other factions, they all have Trainer their own it's. colors. Yeah. Y- yeah. Yeah. They all have their own Sorry. uh yeah like they're they they all have their own theme song they all have their theme colors Mm -hmm. and also not to mention that it's like it's a whole every single loop you revisit some of them from time to time Mm -hmm. so you it it is like an actual league of sorts where you're like ah these guys beat me last time and now like but this is this is payback time or maybe they'll say the same to you, where they're like, "Oh, you beat us handily last time, but this time I brought out the big guns," and you're like, "Oh shit, what are they gonna do this time?" Like, it does have that sort of competitiveness along with it, um, that just kind of adds to that whole. Um, I got that that whole spectacle of the rights themselves, where that I just thought always made it so fresh. And yeah, like like you were guys saying, like. Mid, midway through the round, you know, if somebody's pyre's at 50% or 25%, like, the other team will start smack-talking, or they'll, like, they'll pull a fast one on you, and suddenly, like, they have a new strat in mind, or something like that. Um, and I just, I thought that was always just a cool way that they they kept it fresh.
1: Absolutely. And I, I would just yeah. say on top of that, um, just to add it to the I, I know we mentioned it briefly, I, I, I thought... Not only the balance of the difficulty for this game, but the AI. That's what I was about to bring. Hella good. It's hella good. Like uh, it felt so natural. I don't know how to describe it. Like it's true. Like sometimes I would like fly over someone that could have jumped in that instance, but it felt like they they were trying to react with the right play, but if you you could sneak a fast one on them, basically, but Mm -hmm. you couldn't do it slow. And I don't know if you guys felt that, but I, I thought the balance of this was fucking rad. Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
3: I thought too just <clears throat> as an observer, um, that it seemed like because the 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 other teams that you face they they level up as you face them multiple times. Um, but it like it it appeared to me that as they leveled up, like the AI got smarter, not just like bigger or faster i mean they did also like their their auras got bigger and they got faster and they would learn new moves and tricks but there was like one that we fought at the end where they were doing this crazy like really rapid like passing back and forth thing to each other which like struck me as like this i we i don't know mccoy and i have talked a lot about difficulty in games because a passion of his in terms of like how how you make games more difficult when you click like easy, medium, hard or whatever those things are. And a lot of times it's just like, ah, give them more hit points and like that'll do it. Um, like this, it seemed to me like the AI in this was really well done and made it so the AI was like faster and was using, or sorry, not faster, it was um, smarter and was using like different techniques instead of just kind of like giving it more hit points. Like they could have just been like, ah, and their pyre now has 200 hit points and that would have been a really boring way of leveling them up. Um, but it didn't. It was really fun. And every time you faced them, you were like, kind of scared. Being like, oh, what are they going to have just figured out that I now have to figure out how to counter?
1: Like, they didn't. Um, like, I've seen. I mean, we've all seen games that are like this, man. When, like, you, the player, understood. Okay, so that's how I would describe the AI. The AI felt like it understood the circumstance of the moment in the game, if that makes sense. It un- they understood the metagame. So an example of this that would be uh, a bad example in another game, not that I can pick a game exactly, but, you know, when, when all of your players are banished, right, all they need to do is just walk it in. Or they can do even better than that and they can throw it in and not have someone out the next round, right? That's, like, the higher level aha moment that you get along mm-hmm. with uh, some of the other ones we talked about. Um, but, like, I've seen games where, like, they have you all of your players are banished and then they just walk into a wall or like pass the ball around or like, you know, just do shit that makes no sense. And you're like, well, that was a gimme. Mm-hmm. But, like they didn't really like maybe a little bit here and there, but like, no, like they, they, they would walk it <laughs> right up and throw it straight in just as I would. And, and, and that made it feel so much more alive. And not only is that awesome from a gameplay standpoint, but it feeds right back into what Zoe's saying where it, it adds credence to the, People you're you're fighting it, mm-hmm. it it adds respect from a gameplay standpoint to those characters that you're learning about and that's just like such a cool thing
4: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah. <clears throat>
2: basketball yo um yeah i mean i think um there's um there's definitely something to be said as well for the like losing is incorporated into the story <clears throat> instead of just like forcing you to beat your head against each one until you win um, I think that's really cool but also I kind of wish that you could have the choice to beat your head against it until you won
5: they do so they intentionally designed this so that you if you if you press escape at any point in the right you can restart oh, it well,
2: yeah
4: hmm.
5: and huh. the, the reason that they set it up that way is because they wanted they really wanted people to just be like let's see how the story plays out with the way things went um but they also didn't want people who were like oh shit i lost like yeah, yeah. everything's gonna be screwed now to be like stuck in that mindset and they were like well we know we're not going to rewire everyone's brain with this game so like let's let's meet them where they're at and give them the option to restart
1: until Hmm. they beat it yeah i actually want to ask specifically zoe about this premise here because if i've learned anything about your gameplay style it's that oftentimes you would be way more comfortable if you had a guide up at the same time so you could get the golden ending you know what I mean? Because you want to see the characters live,
0: play through. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hell yeah! No, no like, respect.
0: No, I, <clears throat> I, I, will say, like, I, I was really glad that they presented me that option. Granted, I never used that option, um, but I was really happy that it was there, especially when it came to the liberation rights. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just because, like, usually I, I was okay with you know trying out a lot of the titan stars in like the the quote-unquote regular season right right totally (laughs) and uh so like i i was okay with doing those and like if i lost i didn't restart but when it came to the liberation one specifically like i was really happy that that option was there just in case something just went horribly wrong and i could like have that quick like okay but i really want Hadwin to be liberated so let's go back Mm. here yeah Um, yeah it's, I, I think it. I think it's always valuable to to have that option. I'm I'm really thankful that they did for that for that yeah. particular reason.
5: They actually had a really I... cool anecdote in one of the interviews I read where like one of the developers' daughters was playing like the game, and they went through okay, major spoilers. I know like mm-hmm. we said we're already gonna be spoiling, but this is a major one. Like she plays through to the end of the game, and she's like replaying the last liberation right over and over to, until she like finally gets it, and then she does, and she realizes like oh. Now there's a decision of who even gets liberated. Like, I could even liberate my opponent. And they end up liberating their opponent and being like, well, actually, like maybe I should have been just allowing that to happen. Like oh.
0: he earned mm-hmm. his place.
5: Like and and the fact like that I was restarting this right is an example of the bullshit that he was complaining about.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's so ridiculously meta but it's so lovely mm-hmm. and through the eyes of a child too is how they could see through that for what it actually is Do you know what I mean where the rest of us are just like well I'm restarting because I need the perfect ending um, that's so awesome man I love it it's true because they do present that to you and they do sort of flirt with that like should you let someone win and even in the end screen you know and you could you you look at people and they don't have the halo behind them because they weren't liberated and you realize any of these opponents could have gone free too
4: mm-hmm.
1: um and all of that. Yeah, it's just, it's just cool. I just I think it's really cool that this game has you, the player, covered if you fail. Whereas a lot of games, they want you to do the like commit to your save thing, but they don't have you covered. Like you're gonna get a worse ending and you're gonna have less fun and it's gonna be kind of suffering. But this game isn't like that. This game it loves you and it wants you to enjoy it.
4: Mm-hmm. You
1: know what I mean? And it wants you to enjoy it for your personal experience. And it does its absolute best to tailor that. Along the whole way, all the way until and I'm sure we'll probably talk about this in more detail later, but until the end song as well. Right? They mm-hmm. really are just tailoring this thing to your experience in a positive way. Like you're gonna Like like we were talked about it last week in terms of like some of the decisions that feel like they could have easily just judged the shit out of me for picking A and for picking B, but just in different ways. They could have <laughs> oh, taken. Yeah,
3: like kinda like they're both successes like it doesn't just hard punish you for saying like uh jordariel you are intimidating yeah it doesn't you don't just fail all of your interactions with her automatically
1: yeah and then she hates you or whatever or like all mm-hmm. that stuff no it's so much more playful and so much more fun and i think that intention is found throughout the whole game and and, and even here so it's cool i didn't even know you could restart a write. yeah yeah that's awesome
2: yeah i didn't either <clears throat> i assumed that those things were not restartable um I think I don't think I would have anyways like that's not the way that I enjoy playing games um unless it's actually within the game um <laughs> like for for a game like this I think if there was an option when you lost you could click replay. Um, and then I might do it. But if if it's like. Quit and restart.
1: <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Load your well, previous
2: save. It, it is a little it's bit just more. Not... seamless. than that. Like,
5: it's a dedicated oh, sure. button.
2: That's just like restart the right. Yeah but like. But he's saying, like you if hit escape yeah, yeah, to go like... into the menu. Mm-hmm. yeah, And then you hit restart. It's like. I don't know. It's. I do think yeah, it sounds like, else. sort
3: of to me. Yeah. Like, okay, so clearly, I think the developers, like, the experience that they wanted all of us to have was the experience of playing it through, not restarting any of your rights, and just going with what you had. And so it sounds like. What they ended up with, like, maybe, like, the nicest version of, like, peer pressuring you to do that. Because I feel like, James, like, exactly what you just said, they're probably thrilled with that.
4: Yeah. Of hearing,
3: like, oh, if we had put, if we had hard-coded this into the game, like, the game screen would come up and it'd be like, hey, are you happy with those results? Like, you would have gone back and changed them maybe sometimes. But they sort of, like, just lightly hit it a little bit more so it was totally there and you could totally do it. And it's really nice if you want it, but... It's, like, just a little nudge of maybe don't.
1: And also, I would just say, as a design philosophy, this is something that um, I think in many different instances I truly love. Like, some of my favorite games of all time, like, force you into every choice you've ever made. Definitely. And that is a very interesting philosophy, and it can be amazing.
3: I, just, I was going to be dark. You're the an air horn. Me... Sorry, McCoy. Yeah. <laughs> we're in the same room, so I'm just staring at him with my mouth halfway open. She was just going, <laughs> but I was like waiting that to interrupt him. True, true. But then I just looked like a fish, sort of. Anyways, but like we're a good, on. it's but a like example. in a
2: Mario game where it's like, are you gonna go save the princess? And the two options are like yes and definitely. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: Decisions in games, like <clears throat> that's, that's like a meme in the making if it isn't already one. Um, but like, but dude, some games, like some games, I really appreciate. "Quote save scumming," which again I've talked mm-hmm. about, it and I think is just absolutely the most sin name you could apply to that, because that makes me feel like a piece of shit for doing it. But mm-hmm. that does not mean, like, what what happens <laughs> when you try something over and over again? You are getting concentrated reps on that thing, so you can get better. Or you're a piece of shit. A horny save scum. <laughs> I just you know really I mean? <laughs>
3: like the term save scumming.
1: But 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 here but here's an example. Like, uh, I like for XCOM style games. I love that I can choose to have a save before the start of it. And if things go bad but not terrible and they're recoverable, I can choose as a player to continue forward with that. Mm -hmm. And and me, the player, the one who is trying to dictate my own experience to have fun. And you, you, the developer, please trust me that I can do that. Please. Um, Or if it goes completely to shit and all of my entire top squad gets wiped, I can... Reset on that, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I I can choose, that's too much for me, I'm not gonna have fun anymore because all of my storylines are dead in one foul grenade. Um, So like, it, it's it's just interesting how like, different games approach it differently and this one definitely has an intention there and it does allow you to do a little bit of that if, if you need to, if you want to, if mm-hmm. it's gonna make you feel better, do it. But otherwise, they, they want you to see the really awesome shit they did if you lose. I think another really
5: interesting thing about the decision making in this game is I feel like a lot of games that are emphasizing your choices are like, okay, you're going to change the world. Like either there's going to be machines or there's going to be like organic life. And it's Mm -hmm. like, whoa, that's like a big difference. But like Empire, it's, it's a lot more subtle and it's a lot more realistic. I think like Rookie is like, yo, do you think this mustache looks good on me? (laughs) <laughs> or does it make me look nefarious? <laughs> and like your answer to that will change Rookie's appearance. He will shave his mustache if you think it looks bad. Mm. But and like it's it's a lasting impact on the game. But it's also really subtle, and it also in a way doesn't matter, but also matters. Like mm-hmm. I I don't quite know how to describe that, but it's just it's really great. I think
3: yeah. it's meaningful player choices, but maybe like on a less world ending scale
1: yeah no that's such an interesting way to frame it i don't think i'd really thought of that but yeah it is an arms race to make the the player have the most important decision ever and then it is like a design race afterwards to actually do good by that premise like okay so shout
3: out to mass effect yeah like he (laughs) ended the
1: universe what do i do with this now well we can end (laughs) the trilogy like (laughs)
3: like, you know
1: (laughs) yeah yeah, 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 fair play, fair play. So
3: give him the blue screen if he does this. <laughs> <laughs> then the red screen if he chooses <clears throat> the other one. Just treasonous. They'll be happy with that, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, don't put them side by side. You're not going to like what you see. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like it's 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 surprising how much more you get out of just seeing the mustache not on him. Of course, I we look great. Um, but <laughs> I could imagine seeing him every time afterwards and being like, oh yeah, like nice. You know so what I mean?
5: apparently, the mustache decision is actually one of the oldest things in the game, uh, huh. and it came because like they sort of designed him with a mustache, and like half of the devs were like, "That has to go, like it looks terrible," and <laughs> half of them were like, "But like he's a dog with a mustache, like you need the mustache to anthropomorphize him.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: He looks just like a dog otherwise." Uh, and then the writer was kind of like, "I could see it either way." What if we just, like, make it a choice?
1: <laughs> hmm. That's fucking awesome, man. I, I I love it.
3: I also, this is kind of a side tangent, but I loved that it, at the very end when you, well, we'll talk about the very end later. But on, on Rookie and his mustache, I love that at the very end, the art that they give Rookie like, really just, he just looks like a, a little dog. Like, he looks like someone's pet. Mm-hmm. And I really like that as a touch because he is so anthropomorphized throughout the whole game. And all the characters are, but I feel like in like that end art, especially at the very end, he just looks like someone's puppy. And I'm like, oh, he's just, I don't know, he's just a little dog. <laughs> I liked it. It hit right for me.
1: Hit, yeah. And I would say, guys, we could go so much more into the basketball, but I think we're past it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. We're not the people who are going to break down the absolute mechanics for you. I mean, we could if we wanted to it's really fun it was fun all I think the characters that's what's are important. Cool.
3: it was fun and it's not actually basketball don't be afraid of it
1: yeah and enjoy it and it turns out that if you take it from the perspective of your task is to be good with and use effectively all of these tools rather than optimize the team that you like the most and then use that to win the most you will enjoy all of them to their own degree and so maybe we move on from that section mm-hmm. who wants to take the reins for the next section
0: I was going to say, there is also the bullet point of Bertrude is best. (laughs) Elaborate. Oh, yes. So the bees, yeah. (laughs) I I
5: feel like Bertrude was really maligned in the last episode, and I Mm. wanted to correct that, but I figured that some of you had yet to experience her greatness, Mm. Uh, and now that you have, you should all agree with me that Bertrude is obviously the best character in the game, and she really has our best interests at heart, like... She's looking out for us. She's a nice person, even though she's like a snake Medusa lady.
0: And she has curses,
5: <laughs> but she's really cool. <laughs> I
0: yeah. personally liked her, like, fully leveled up ability where her projectiles go through walls. Yes, like, the like... talisman. Oh, yeah. Yes, the legendary talisman. We rode talisman, that yeah. all the way so to the sick. end.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you can, can get triple there. sprays she's with enough. that thing.
4: hmm
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm but she's also going after Volfred, but Volfred. he can't i he, know he doesn't he can't you know reciprocate her feelings but she's just like okay it's fine i guess but it hurts and i'm like oh bertrude yeah,
3: unfortunately there's, new...
0: there's no romance pet plot line with a female reader you can't go hmm? after bertrude i don't know what it is for a male but <laughs> i'm
5: not can't sure go, if after you can go, go after bertrude yeah no.
0: I, I don't think you can go after bertrude i okay, yeah. her the, the heart is held by option. another is uh, Sandra. Sandra, really? Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: She's like, take me with you. Take me with you, reader.
0: Yeah,
3: and then you kind of make an inappropriate joke near the end. It's subtle, but it's there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Elena is, like, number one, like, sitting in the I'm back line. I'm on lines. the lookout. Yeah, she's just like, like, the you two- You said
0: doo-doo. <laughs> two parts.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah, it was the two bards, for example. Like well, the lone that minstrel. was
0: clear, you guys. No, but it's,
1: like, sitting there, and I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, okay, like, who are we going to send here? And then she's, like, in the back, like, just being like,
0: they're
3: fucking. I'm not sure they I see that. Like, <laughs> they totally are.
1: Fair play. Um, and there definitely is sh- a point. Oh.
5: I'm not sure that they're, they're actually that human, uh, but they definitely have some. Intimate relationship.
3: They're intertwining their spirits or something. They're mm-hmm. do they're doing
0: they're doing whatever their version of fucking is. Mm-hmm. I just like w- sure, whatever sure. loop do it us. is. It's like they're they're so hot and cold with each other. Like after one loop, she's just like tells Tariq like D- I don't even want to talk to you. <laughs> like, she just yeah. like ignores <laughs> like, like Oh, what'd you do, Tariq? <laughs> because they're fucking. <laughs>
3: I Sorry. did I, I actually like I well, I was amused by it. I thought their relationship was really well written and like no. very much like you knew there was a relationship there and there was so much going on behind the scenes. So many mm-hmm. like so many tones. That that's the, each other.
5: But at the same time they managed to keep it to themselves.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Like
5: they weren't hiding it, but it was their private life and yeah. it was just really well well done, I thought
0: that about Yeah. I, I, and, and I think, like, I, and this can kind of also stem off of Bertrand, like, I, I really love not even just the relationships that the writers did with, between the reader and the, you know, and your companions, but I really like the way that the writing fleshed out the relationships between your companions as well. Tariq and Celeste are, like, one of them, but also, like, there was a tie, I, I liberated Sir Gilman. And afterwards Bertrude was in the wagon and like there's this whole scene that plays out where she is basically like saying these like ritual ritual prayer things to make sure that the yeah the bog benediction to make sure that Sir Gilman like has luck and happiness wherever he may go but she like does it in a way where she's just like I didn't care much for him but He's gonna need all the luck he can get, so that's why I'm doing these bog benedictions. And you're like, oh, but you really <laughs> cared for Sir Gilman Bertrude. It's okay. Like, mm-hmm. but I, I just, I thought all of those interactions were just so sweet, especially after you liberated one of your companions. Just seeing which of your other like remaining companions were affected by, you know, that that change in the roster, or uh, you know, I, I, I just thought all of those were so so well done. Um mm-hmm. I just have to give credit. And even just uh the relationships between your companions and other uh other foes. Like um for me uh the which is the one with the old cur. Uh the fate uh, Dalbert.
5: Old heart is it the fate. Is it yeah. the
0: fate? Yeah. Like whenever I was against the fate, my uh vagabond Shay she was like trying to be friends with Elmer so badly. And so every time we faced him, she'd be like, Elmer, be my friend. And Elmer's just like, uh, <laughs> I can't talk to you. <laughs> like, get away from me. She's like, but we can be friends. And yeah, then like, actually, his dad's
2: like, "Uh, you should go hang out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. yeah. yeah, actually, if you if you don't
5: liberate uh, either of them, then they, they end up living,
1: living together.
3: Oh, beautiful.
1: Yeah. So, so guys, hear me out on this. It's it's interesting because when I'm hearing you guys say this, obviously I, I agree. But also on top of this, I'm realizing like this could have gone so wrong if this character roster was not so ridiculously awesome and deep in every way. Like just it's just there's there is no miss character, right? Especially if Bertrude is the best character who felt like <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. if if she can 180 like that, then because like the thing is, they they have a system in place where you take your favorite people probably and you send them to the other side and you basically don't get to see any of their interactions anymore mm-hmm. and you're basically self-selecting away all of the stuff that you love and that's not necessarily exactly what's happening but it could be a totally viable story strategy for you to do so and for me I was doing essentially that and yet so then I, and then I'll oh, say so it's not in yet but then I'm realizing where what am I left with I'm left with all the people that i i i don't care for as much and now they're gonna be the ones with all these interactions and they're gonna like dictate the whole rest of the story and they all made great cases for themselves and they all won me over Mm
4: -hmm. you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm.
1: and that is so strong because otherwise you would have to see the lens of the game through the characters that you think suck like that was so so right there but because this roster was just so deep in terms of uh value like it, it was fine it mm-hmm. was totally fine even though i sent all my favorite people back and i wish i could have more interactions from them i got to see the rest of their interactions and it was awesome too
3: and i feel like in some way the system actually helps that because like when you send someone back then you kind of have more space and more time to get to know the other ones who you didn't maybe know as well before i don't i don't know if like the interactions go up probably not but like the frequency of them but I felt like when we once we had sent back like Jodar, like we were very attached to Jodarielle in our playthrough. Like she was she was the best. But once she went, like the other characters kind of like I guess they're not real, but they like stepped up and kind of filled that void and you get to know them and you're like, Oh yeah, okay. Sir Gilman's super cool and Tizo's awesome and you have all these other things going on. Um, so I agree
1: and I'm gonna get it done with these crew I'm gonna have to
3: yeah. yeah and I think it's really impressive like these characters that we can kind of talk about and have these who have these relationships with each other are all just written yep. like flat essentially art characters <laughs> um.
4: mm-hmm.
5: but like their short like voice lines in the made up language do so much to like add the tone to yeah. the writing and they also do like really subtle things with the animations They they have like different facial expressions mm-hmm. that will go along with each of their lines uh, mm-hmm. and these sort of uh, splash effects. I don't know really what to call them like behind yeah. the characters uh, mm-hmm. to show like a disappointment or like excitement or anger. Uh, there's just like a lot of these really subtle details that build into it incredibly. Absolutely.
0: And Right. Like and the... Oh. I was gonna say, just with those splash effects, they also apply those to your foes a lot as well, um, which I think helped me build empathy with a lot of them, especially since you, as a reader, can read minds, and so especially towards the end, the end game rights when suddenly your main foe comes up and suddenly it's like the dark background with like the like the drooping black like. Mm -hmm. I I don't like the melting effect behind them knowing that it's like them being like consumed by like a dark depressing thought I was like oh no this is gonna make me like rethink everything oh no (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure some of them definitely did in that case
1: (laughs) yeah and like okay you know it's not a spoiler at all but like one of the topics we talked about in the last of us podcast and many others was like how do how do video games make you um, think differently about short enemies mm-hmm. here's a way mm-hmm. here's a fucking way mm-hmm. this game takes a totally different path yeah good writing all across the board and not making them necessarily exclusively evil either and, mm-hmm. and, you know, Last of Us approached it from a perspective of they're not necessarily evil and there's all sorts of reasons like that. But then they also, you know, gave them names and said, like, you know, they had voice lines that that seemed, like, more specific. They'd call each other's names. I mean, there was interesting stuff like that. But they were still, you know, enemies and in, in that context, right? Mm-hmm. And this, in in some ways, they're – it's like, you know, it's it's like, you know, you, you recognize them. You see them a bunch of times. And you're like, oh, it's these motherfuckers again. Like, how are you guys doing? You know, you're almost like friendly. Like, yo, what's up? I'm sorry I'm going to have to wreck you. But, you know, like, all's fair in, in love and war, right? Like, but, you know, but I hope you're well, right? Mm-hmm. And that's just like such a cool way of doing that to your, quote, enemies. Because they're not really enemies in this game in the same way.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Maybe you wanted to.
3: Some of them are. Yeah, and I think, too, like, there's a good cast of characters here where some of them are. Like the the other Bertrude Bog creatures yeah like they are not particularly likable um yeah
5: they're like a cult worshipping cthulhu of this world basically yeah, yeah. astral born, who's gonna consume the world and they're like yeah let's let's yeah. get him to c- eat everything
0: but i never <laughs> felt like, bad beating them cool mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> that's not rad <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: i felt the same with the the accusers especially after you learn uh lendl's like whole reason for exile was because he was just a piece of shit in the commonwealth and he tried to frame an innocent man for his own misdeeds and then he like <laughs> comes down into downfall and he's like still being a piece of shit down here like i think yeah. some of them in my eyes like i think I some of them seemed irredeemable but and it was
5: i don't think he framed someone for his own misdeeds i think he 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 was so convinced That he had the right person that Mm, he planted the evidence oh wow right so i mean this gets a little bit into my three-hour lecture but like (laughs) (laughs) one of the really cool things about this game is like so each of these teams was like set up by one of the scribes uh and so they each of the scribes had these different like values that they wanted these teams to be built around so for example one of the values of the accusers is justice. Um, and so Lendl is actually aligned with that. Like he True. he was, in in his own perverted way, he was seeking justice. Um, but like, well, yeah, yeah. So like yeah. the thing is yeah. all of these teams to greater and lesser degrees are perversions of their like values. Like hmm. they they've been corrupted over time okay and so, like Mendel is an example of overarching justice where it like ceases to even be justice anymore because you're going so deep
1: is this mm-hmm. and nobody's gonna fucking get this reference so we don't have to spend all day on it but is this game analogous to that book you're reading where it has different sub processes of the person right <laughs> like like dude are these teams not the same thing they are
5: uh I mean, I I suppose you could make a superficial comparison, but I I don't think it's really I don't know I don't, I don't see it that way. You heard it here um, first, the king of superficial
3: comparisons. I to write that down for next year's uh, trophy. Oh shit! Excuse me. Right yeah, down, I was bro. just
5: trying to say in the nicest way possible, McCoy. That's a trash take. Thank you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh Excellent callback. good joke good
5: joke good joke um i mean so i could get a little bit into my lecture now i guess uh, yeah sure. i
3: think let's go yeah. for it
5: yeah go for it so so like one of the major things in this game is the book of rights and so you can kind of skip through this and i think many of us did uh because like it's, litera- it's literally it's <laughs> literally just a book no you're not the only one mccoy it's literally like no. just a book and yeah. you, you have to like you can read through the entire thing um
0: and it's like a hundred and seventy pages and like by 170 yeah. it's actually 170 pages
5: <laughs> yeah i mean the, the pages are a little bit short but it's a lot right. for sure um but i think the book of Rights is actually a really interesting character in this game in a sense and that it's sort of this like weird like religious text slash constitution hybrid um in this world so i mean like the scribes are religious figures in this game like the entire setup of the game is around like the Commonwealth is a theocracy. Um and so there's a lot of religious overtones in the game. And the Book of Rights is trying to be like the the centerpiece of this is like you're literally studying the ancient texts in order to conduct these rites to seek freedom. Mm-hmm. Um and so like you're you're trying to like read these texts and understand what they're saying and their intent and then you're like confronted by the contradictions in what has actually played out as a result of these so like as i said the the accusers are uh, a corruption of justice um the withdrawn are about pursuit of knowledge but udmilde ends up like worshiping this world eating monster mm-hmm. um the Pyre Hearts are all about courage and passion, and they're led by Sir Deluge, who's a coward who literally runs away from every other battle, and that's why he's been promoted because he survived.
4: <laughs> right. Um,
5: the Chastity are about like, wisdom and modesty and integrity, and their leader is cunning and manipulative and is just like trying to bend whatever rule he can to get home. Um, and so I think like really what this is about is. You can have these rules and you can have these rich traditions but you can't just take them at face value like nobody has the entire plan set up in advance and knows exactly how it's going to go like the scribes had objectives here they were trying to set up a better system than the empire that they came from um it's like the empires of sar was like inheritance based you had emperors like Uh, Passing on to their family. Um, And they tried to replace that with something that was a bit more meritocratic. Uh, So they set up the rights as a mechanism to select the Commonwealth's leadership, actually. Uh, So the voice in the game is one of the previous participants in the rights, and they are the leader of the Commonwealth at this point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And it's kind of a really interesting system in a way because. It's like you have your criminals that you've exiled and you're using atoned criminals as your leadership. But in a way it kind of makes sense because like the the rights are set up to promote like teamwork and collaboration and competition and adherence to tradition. And in a way, all of these are skills that contribute to upholding a social
2: contract and working with society. Can I butt in real quick? Sure. Triumvirate, the name of the team. Means group of three rulers who share power. Power. Um, it's Latin. Yeah. Yeah. So
5: each of the teams is a triumvirate, and by conducting the rites, it's all about like three shall be as one. So it's Mm -hmm. it's actually like it's kind of teamwork, but it's also being able to balance control, and those do figure into leadership. Like that is something you need to do as a leader um so yeah that was a
1: really cool aspect of it it's uh, it's like a it's so much more um it's it, it's interesting because i I immediately saw the comparison when i was thinking about it myself and playing through to like the Colosseum, and like win your freedom by killing everyone else mm-hmm. you know what i mean and like by killing great beasts and by killing large men with axes you know what i'm saying (laughs) and like just the difference in what that person is going to be like when they are liberated in that scenario from this scenario based on this system versus that system is is quite drastic so there it's interesting that you're making the case that this system does actually make you like build qualities or show qualities that mean you might be able to come back whereas like rate the coliseum has nothing to do with that it just is like if you entertain us enough i guess we'll let you go
0: really putting in the community service hours with the kids here
1: yeah do you, do you guys remember that like like the picking up trash mini game <laughs> where you're like you stop your wagon on the side of the road and you like clean up like, the downside <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah like this is the downside but i won't let it go to shit and you're like picking up fucking chip bags and shit like <laughs> on but like street.
0: i i do think like like ugh, like it's one of those things where like hearing raf describe like all of the store like this the story subtext within just the book itself and how easily that can just be glossed over by a typical player like it kind of makes me just a little melancholy just because i know i skim through a lot of it after a while um but you just realize just how thoughtful and just how rich they created this world where they have all of the, you know, all of the political systems set up in such a way. Like, there's practically an explanation for everything in this world with the story building. Um, it's really just, like, I, I know the main writer, Greg Kasavin, said that, like, Pyre was one of his, like, most like proudest works that he's done it's the one story in all of Giant games that he has spent the most time on and the most effort on and i feel like this just really shows that effort um just between mm-hmm. the lore that he put in the book but then also just you know, the, the time and effort he took into the language and into the rules and into, you know, how society is built and how people interact to how people survive in the downside. Like, it's it's really something spectacular.
5: Yeah, and Absolutely. I, I agree with you. Like, it's really easy to gloss over this. And, I mean, I think I read the whole book when I played this the first time and I didn't get all of this out of it. So it's it's not it's not just given to you and i think it wouldn't work if it were just given to you um mm-hmm. and i actually want to say like i'm really thankful for the podcast because the the context of this made me really mull over this and think about it a lot more and what was so interesting about the game to me and mm-hmm. and that was sort of how i came to this realization about like it's it's not just a revolution it's like the entire process of the revolution and the thinking that goes into it and why the revolution was necessary
4: mm-hmm.
3: i think too i mean i i don't know Raphael, i'm i'm really enjoying hearing you explain this to us and i'm i think i will also like i i enjoy reading like high fantasy novel like this is this would be in my zone of of enjoyment would be the like the lore of pyre but I also think like as McCoy and I didn't read the book at all. I don't think I don't think we read a single page. Like not No,
1: we read like three pages.
3: Okay, cool. We read like three pages. Nice. But... <laughs> great for <correction. laughs> <I> felt important. <laughs> but I think that too, the the writing and the storytelling of that they do in the book and that they did for Pyre still shows even if you don't read
0: it. Absolutely.
3: Like I think that part of what we talked about with something even with like Transistor, right, was how the world of Transistor was really cool, but it felt like in places it didn't quite hang together or we didn't quite get all of it that we wanted to. But I feel like the world of Pyre, even if you don't read the book, like the way the world hangs together and how complete it feels and how cohesive the world and the story feels together, I think that comes from having done all of this back work and having like all of the lore there and all of the rationale and everything happen. And that what's what makes... So much of it hang together and feel really amazing even if you don't read all of that you still kind of like feel it in the game
1: dude you know what you it see is. it in oh.
3: practice yep. yeah exactly yep
1: it is we've thought about this a lot but in a very different context selena this is good dming in dnd
3: okay this is literally what i was thinking i was supposed mm-hmm. to say I, it, it reminds me of D because it reminds me of like what really good dungeon masters do is they have like all they would have this entire book like somewhere in their brains but it wouldn't come out like they wouldn't read it to you but it would be you would see it through like the actions of the world and through what happens with your interactions with other people and i think that's what pyre does like i think pyre is like sort of like a really in that way like sort of like a really good D world where it's really fleshed out And so when you have these little interactions, everything just sort of like clicks into place and makes so much sense because it's all there. Like the person who wrote it knew everything and then that gets shown. And I also think that's a part of it being a small studio where like probably the head writer had his fingers in everything that got written. So nothing just got stuck in the game that felt like it was out of place because he had all of this lore and all of this background in his mind and then when someone was writing a little piece of dialogue for a character he could be like no no wait that wouldn't quite work or it would be like i, I, I don't know it's a bad example cuz i don't really understand it but i feel like it's it's the 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 incredible background they did and the lore that they built plus this really small focused team makes pyre this just like really beautiful cohesive storytelling experience
0: I think the key word you say there is cohesion mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, because, yeah, like, like, you know, you, you see all this stuff in practice, but I think it's just, yeah, that amalgamation of visuals. I would even argue music as mm-hmm. well as writing that will just kind of give you a clue of like who this person is, what their role is here, where they stand in society. Um, and that can just do absolute wonders and like i i could just you know picture you know head writer greg Kasabin going over to darren korb and being like yo this is what this guy's like and darren korb's like cool i'm gonna apply electric guitars to this person <laughs> like to this that's dog what...
1: instead of aggressive <laughs> yeah, yeah. dogs yes
0: well exactly like you know people like the the dissidents like you can read in the book that the dissidents like well you like or you know that the leader of the dissidents i forget his name what is his
4: Parker. name barker Barker, like
0: you know like you can kind of surmise without like reading that like barker is not really one to be to follow traditional means and like i think that's done through the music how it's like literally there's just this like electric guitar riff throughout their entire yeah thrash metal going through uh yeah the song's called thrash pack um, but also, I I had to face them for one of my liberation rights, which is hilarious interaction with Celeste because Celeste like you know she comes forward and she's like ah oh, the try, you know you you must come and state your reason and Bark is just like fuck this guys we're oh, just yeah. here to fight and like <laughs>
4: everything <Yeah. laughs>
0: and like and then Celeste is just like please calm yourself we are in like holy grounds and he's just like I don't care like but like. <laughs> again it's just you know and you hear the electric guitar riffs in the background as he's saying that and you look at the writing and you look at the visuals and you're like okay this guy just says like fuck tradition <laughs> let's just fight um yeah, yeah so actually like it's the,
5: the dissidents are one of the triumvirates i think that was not corrupted because uh, i mean the the founding principle of the dissidents is it's belonging for the misfits the people who do not belong right. belong in the dissidents um and I think that's actually a really cool way of doing this corruption of these values. In that, like, not all values are equally corruptible. Like, some of them are pretty self-sustaining.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Exactly. That's.
5: Oh, I also wanted to tie back one of the early points where you were saying like all of the people felt really fleshed out. I think that's one of the things that I, that really like made transistor not work for me was mm-hmm. that. I, I couldn't get in the head of the characters like i didn't understand what they valued why they wanted to do things what they were even trying to achieve i mean Reds was like let's get back at them and other characters were like we don't have anything to do so let's paint the sky i i didn't really get it i mean I, i'm i'm not doing it justice like it's it's better than that but like that's that's how it came across to me A Uh lot of
0: the characters are expressed just through text bio, but you don't see, like, I think that goes to show just how valuable it is to show the lore in practice. I think if they had shown better in Transistor some of the motivations or some of the work that a lot of the people within the bios in the Transistor were trying to get at, I think that would have maybe fleshed out that world a little bit better. Like, they try to do a little bit, I guess, with, like, building the bridge to Fairview and whatnot. And you literally can build the bridge to Fairview. But that is just, like, one component in one person's bio out of dozens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, like yeah where, just... whereas here in pyre like you you just see so like so many aspects of the book being put into practice by so many characters who are alive and fleshed out in front of you and interacting with you uh that kind of helps solidify that
1: it really doesn't feel like transistor i mean this like maybe it's like me reading it too far but it really doesn't feel like transistor is about any of those other characters really like it's about the almost like fever dream of the main characters in their duo like just like fighting like like it feels like it's intentionally uh like misty or like fever dream is what i'm thinking in my head like it's intense, intentionally sort of opaque uh in a way cuz it's just like it's just trying to get at these like fleeting moments of desperation in a human just like slashing out and if you then think of like the cuz keep in mind we're in the super giant's game fuck. Whatever. But like it's only mm-hmm. for f- I say that I laugh because it's like oh wait there's some context here like some comparison points like Bastion was not this fleshed out. Transistor was not this fleshed mm-hmm. out. This is some real new shit.
3: Well I think with ba- Bastion was much simpler in terms of narrative. Like the narrative in that is like relatively streamlined I think. Um, whereas I think you can definitely see like playing through in order that Supergiant games became much more ambitious with each game that they took on and like certainly Pyre is a big jump up in terms of ambition of storytelling and even just like number of characters. I think someone mentioned that like, you know, all of the super giant games before us have had like maybe like two characters basically. And this one suddenly has this whole cast of people Um, and all of this background lore and all, you know, I, yeah, they're just, this is a big jump in terms of ambition. And I think it's a big jump in terms of ambition in terms of like the complexity of the story that they're telling too um i think they really really Mm -hmm. super nail it
1: they went from like (laughs) yo we kind of reference things that that you think about as humans right bro and they like wink at you and you're like yeah dude that was a great reference to like we wrote it all out like we Mm -hmm. just we fleshed the whole world out for you how do you feel now and it's funny because for me like when i was playing bastion and i was like this is awesome like this is amazing it's incredible and i i why, where did this come from then i played transistor and i was like this has so many aspects that are literally incredible but there's a couple that aren't as good and it doesn't hit the same magic for me then my thought process naturally if you draw the the line between those points is like well pyre felt like almost you know I, th- I i thought at the time and this sounds so silly after our discussions but i thought at the time like Oh, this is maybe not as ambitious. Like, you know, they're not like voicing a lot of this stuff necessarily, and it feels a little stranger, and it's like a maybe like a less like smaller game mode, even and just the whole thing just felt kind of like lesser and smaller and different and weird. And yet, when you guys say quotes from the devs of being like some of them at least like saying like this is some of my most proud achievement ever, after having played it in great detail, I a hundred percent understand that. And I see how blatantly wrong i was uh approaching it i i
0: I think uh and, and this is just off of the documentary of theirs that i watched but like to also think about the mindset that the studio is in going into making pyre like so so they make bastion they're like wow our game was a success um holy shit we have enough money to like have offices in san francisco now and like have a payroll holy shit so like I feel like they had the pressure to make Transistor a great game and they, you know, I and, and sure, like, as much as we on the podcast maybe didn't really receive it as warmly, um, I, I think, in general, Transistor was still a successful game of theirs, but there's still kind of this whole, like, up in the air of like what do we want our game studio identity to be and then after the success of Transistor especially since they self-published Transistor and they had this huge cash flow coming in Pyre they've said is the game that they've just always have wanted to make like from the very beginning um and because they had the security of the success of both Bastion and Transistor behind them to back them, they realized the safety net that they had. They just went crazy with the you know their creativity around Pyre. Because at that point for them it was no longer let's make a game that will be wildly successful with lots of people. Instead, they were like, let's make a game. That might not be appealing to everybody, but it's going to appeal to a certain niche of gamer, and we're making this game for them. Um and I I I think that's a really it's a really cool mindset to see a game studio approach things. Cause usually, yeah, you always see game studios be like, we want to appeal to the every gamer. We want to yep, appeal yep. to the mm-hmm. FPS people and this people and this people. And Super Giant just they themselves acknowledge our game our games aren't going to be for everybody but it's going to appeal to a very specific subset and we really hope that specific subset will just love our game because of what we've done
1: but like it's so interesting in their history and context too because like what you're saying is like you know in many ways or what i'm one of the aspects that i'm hearing from what you're saying is like yeah a lot of studios like you know lick their finger and then put it up in the air to see where the wind is going ah the industry is going this way therefore i'll make this game and it will be exactly as boring as the other ones are (laughs) you know what i'm saying like or like with a slight innovation um but this was no we're gonna make exactly what we want to make and if you vibe with this shit yo it's gonna be amazing um but what's interesting is that that is wonderful and awesome and yet think of their next game hades which was a lick your finger and put your finger in the air uh and see where the way the industry is going Mm. they said that hades would
0: not have been made if not for pyre pyre laid the groundwork for them to make hades
1: right but the industry laid the groundwork for hades like hades is exactly the everyman's game in the supergiant's way which means it's fucking phenomenal in what it does it goes further than the genres have ever gone but it is like in the space of roguelikes getting popular action roguelikes specifically like dark souls style combat like all those sorts of action games are like hitting this zenith at this time and they make their version of that um and awesome they nailed it and they did hit the zeitgeist and they did go huge with that game but it's interesting because this game is so the opposite of that um so 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 the opposite of that
0: I mean, I would argue that I don't think they made Hades because they were tapping into what the trend was. I think all—I all, mean, I haven't seen any documentaries on the production of Hades, so I guess I can't say for sure. But like, knowing how super giant, you know approach- that there's a
2: series of documentaries. Yeah, I do. I do, I do know. I, I, yeah, apparently yeah. okay. Good. Yeah.
0: It, and actually, it, it's it's a no clip documentary. That's the same no clip documentaries that I've seen their previous games on it, including Pyre um yeah but like i so i am not quite sure how much of hades production was due to them i guess as you put it like putting their finger to the wind and seeing where the where the uh where the wind was going um because i i I always feel like super giant just makes games that they themselves want to make and it's it goes with their mindset of how they as a team work they are never going to expand because they know what works for them it's a small team and they will always go with their small team approach etc
1: but so fair and let's put it this way i don't need to make the case here that hades is that i'd rather point that we've played games like hades before and i have never played anything like pyre is really the angle i'm trying to take yeah yeah Mm -hmm.
0: And I, they are quoted as just saying, like, nobody would have made Pyre if not for us. Like, there's only one Absolutely. Mm-hmm. one yep. person who can make Pyre, and that's us. Absolutely. Um, and, yeah, you can just totally see the budding creativity explode from it. And, yeah, it's not everybody's cup of tea. I'm sure anybody... I want to say ignorant but like it that sounds so harsh but like anybody enough to be like oh god pyre that's that weird game that weird basketball Mm -hmm. game kind of similar to how we were first thinking about it like way back when like it's like I I think pyre is just so much of a a a niche yeah it's just it's so niche in its expertise and it's uh how, how sensational it is that it's kind of one of those just like you have to see it and experience it to believe it but it's going to be so hard to get that threshold of people to take that step into seeing and experiencing it
1: because it um, really is more than even seeing that's really the problem bro it's like you can watch gameplay of this game and you do not i guarantee you understand this game mm-hmm. like at all right yeah exactly
5: I, I think one of the things the game really struggles with is like it, it doesn't hook you like games are really trying to do these days it's like you kind of get like an intriguing start but it it takes a lot of time to grow on you and it the crazy thing is that it does grow and it just keeps growing like Mm -hmm. over the course of the game like things just become more and more like emotionally charged Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it does this in a really incredible way but like at the same time i i almost like struggled to get myself to start playing it but like once i started I like kept kept turning the pages, so to speak.
0: I, w- I would even argue like it's not even just starting it. It's like getting you through that first loop. and even then the first loop takes so long to complete.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, we, we were talking about this a little bit last week where it's just like you do have to invest a lot of time into getting into this game. but I would argue that the return on investment is exponential right after the first loop where you are just getting more and more value out of what the game brings you that is just not really there initially. And just in this current game space where it's like a game feels like it needs to hook you in, like... (laughs) you know here here we go bring it up you know old stuff but i seem to recall way back when we played a little game called the cat lady oh, I remember this one. <laughs> and yeah
1: this is the classic someone I w-
0: someone was someone who shall not be named was quoted in you. saying this game did not grip me with or, or this game didn't give me any actionable items within the first five minutes therefore this game is awful
1: yeah just a, and... I, I believe and, and maybe <laughs> i'm doing just as fuzzy a job of of this point but i want to say it was Specifically, the the player did not succeed mm-hmm. in the first X minutes or something like that. They did not have a success. But anyway, sorry, go on. I just I just wanted exactly to like, give, yeah. But
0: like, but like that just kind of. I mean that that is only one person. Right. A one person is not a good sample size. But still, it kind of goes to show how. Yeah. I I think a lot of people approach these games of this game needs to bring me in within the first five minutes of its playtime. And if it doesn't, then it's not worth my time.
4: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And this game just demands just a little bit more than five minutes. In fact, it probably demands about two hours or three hours or so. Oh, but boy is it. Can worth I just it. say
2: that I hated the cat lady for other reasons? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, we know, we know. Like yes. I said, don't wanna don't wanna drag up old laundry or whatever. But like I just I just remember yes. that infinite yes. infamous line <clears throat> of, too. you know, it didn't grip me within five minutes. <laughs> and
1: and actually I wanna like I wanna expand on this a little bit more because I'm curious, the m- way I model the intro to this game and how it I guess on boards you what a sin word to bring into like a a for fun podcast that's not work um but like i actually if we get really into it i thought the first five minutes of this game were entrancing like a motherfucker however it was like the first couple hours that i had to get through i feel Mm -hmm. like past that point that that really had to get me into the exponential growth shit that zoe's talking about that i i definitely agree with so it was weird. Like I thought like the 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 intro to the game was actually straight flames, but then it was like there was a lot more that I had to get through in order to like truly get into the groove of it. Did you guys have that ex- well, experience? Right. Or?
0: Like cause yeah. cause it's uh like I, I do agree, like the the first minutes are gripping, but then I think as you're working your way through that first loop, I think you at, at least myself, I remember when I first played this game of like, oh, I will travel to a spot. We'll camp there, we'll resource, we'll do a ritual, r- rinse, repeat. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I think, especially since the first loop, you have to do four rituals, five rituals before you even get to a liberation right. Yeah. You do have to get quite a bit because they want to establish uh, the other teams that you're facing. Um, so a, a lot of that appears at the forefront to be a lot of rinse, repeat. And so i can see a lot of people maybe playing the first you know hour and being like ah this is all this game has for me and then Mm -hmm. dropping it uh but yeah kind of like well especially like that that was my impression which is why i bounced off of it initially but when um you know at, at the top of playing this game when Raphael put in our like discord what yep. we needed to do to yep. get through the first week, and he's like, You need to complete three loops, and I was like, What? Yeah. <laughs> loops? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah, and I was actually um, super put off by that. Yeah,
1: premise. you were
3: triggered because you had yeah, just finished yeah. playing loop hero.
1: No,
5: and like and-, and and I think I said like you will not feel the same about these loops. You will play them and it will be
1: clear. Yeah. And you were like, okay. It will be <laughs> Clear, like it <laughs> will come to you. No, but but guys, I did I did definitely want to talk about this, and we're right there, which is that this game does have a sort of rogue like element. It's very far from that, but the point is, it does have loops, right? It does have a gameplay loop, and it does have like, you know, this this mm-hmm. larger progression loop. But I was gonna say, I have never seen a game do so well in a in a loop scenario. I, I don't think any of these loops felt like any of the other loops. You know what I'm saying? Like it was – And so so the point that – So definitely that point where Zoe bounced off after an hour, I totally understand. But I had another p- bounce off potential point. But obviously we're playing for the podcast so we steamrolling through that shit and getting all the value. But that other the, – the point where I was going to bounce for sure, I knew McCoy in his natural state bounces like a motherfucker and it is after one loop. It felt mm-hmm. so done. And even the game was kind of like, bro, we're done but there's cool shit if you want to keep going. And oh my god, the rest of the game is in those last loops. Like, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, all this shit is there. And I was like, cool, I have what the game has to offer. That same feeling you're talking about. And holy shit. Like, it's all different. And, okay, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I I mean, I think the first loop was really more like, now you're done with the tutorial.
3: Yeah, and I wonder, because one of the other points on our list of things to discuss tonight, thanks to Raphael, is just why did everyone sleep on this? Diamond, Trophy, Star. (laughs) Um, But, but, (laughs) But I wonder if a lot of reviewers who got the game to review played one loop and then were like, cool, nailed it. Because it does feel like you understand it and like it's sort of complete and you played one loop and what more could there really be to this game? But there is so much more to this game. And I think even in the first loop, you'd be like, ah, yes, it's kind of like basketball. But I, you would know it's more than that, even from one loop. But I wonder if part of, I mean, I think that this game struggled in a lot of ways with, like, marketing and how to sell itself and how to describe even what it is. And I wonder if it also struggled struggled with that first loop problem of, like, that first loop feels very complete. And you're like, oh, yeah, that was fun. Okay, cool. I'm done now. Um, But there's just so much, once you get into it, there's so much more that happens in the later loops. And I think that so much of, like, the character development and the lore and just everything that makes this game so amazing happens in, like, loops three through... However many there are. I can't count that, but seven. Seven. I guess. Yeah, seven. seven. But um, also
1: they're gonna shorten the loops intentionally. Mm-hmm. They're gonna they're gonna constantly like one of the things that I literally hate about these infinite games is that it becomes so formulaic. Like you you I can feel the pattern already. Now I'm gonna do this. Now I'm gonna pick from these three guys. Okay, I'm gonna pick this and I'm gonna pick that three times, and then I'm gonna go to the final boss, and I'm gonna do But like they change all of those things. A little bit each time. So I was never sure what was coming next. And they're so different. The loops are so different from each other that just the premise of looping in general is like kind of wrong here. Like this is a like linear story Mm
0: -hmm. that is
1: just told through this loop mechanic. It's more
5: like a a spiral.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's a good way to describe it. True because it gets
3: smaller as you get closer to the center.
1: Oh. All
0: right, guys. And, and actually and actually the this, this <laughs> I, I think this actually plays into another one of Raphael's points of like the oh, weather shit. effects between loops. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um you start off this game, the first loop is the longest and it is the sunniest. It's the most vibrant. But then as you are playing through each consecutive loop and the stars are getting dimmer and dimmer, and things are looking more dire and more dire. The landscape around you also shifts to that more dire landscape. So first, you know, it it becomes rainfall all throughout the second loop or something, and then it all becomes snowfall for another loop. But then, like, I was looking at images just because you kind of get used to it after a while, but Mm -hmm. the world on your sixth and seventh loop are just so much more dull and barren Hmm. than your first and second loops that you ever do um I just thought that was like such a cool subtle way of showing just this escalation of uh you know of desperateness I don't know how I want to describe that exactly but like they intentionally make the world just seem so much smaller and so much bleaker uh, as you're working your way through the last of the rites of this lifetime, <laughs> or this life cycle.
5: It's kind of like a, a sense of impending doom. Although, like 100%. it's it's so much more complex than that because it's not it's
1: not doom, right? It's like mm-hmm. finality, though. Some a, a door is closing, and you yeah. don't know when, and you don't know exactly what it's going to mean either. Yeah. And you're yeah. trying to, like, make your play before the door closes. Make your plays. Uh, and you have a bunch of plays to work with, but you don't know how many exactly. You know what I mean? So you got to make it count. Oh, it's it's fucking awesome. And I just... Guys, like, think of games like... Like, shout out to Ring of Pain, right? But Ring of Pain, when I was done with it, was like, okay. I think I'm done with this game because I think I could go insane playing this game for the rest of my life. And this game has that same loop mechanic, and yet it ends with a motherfucking bang. Do you know what I'm saying? And it ends straight up. And I'm like sitting there, like, Pyre, thank you. Shook its hand. I appreciate you. You appreciate me. We can walk our separate ways. And it's just such a cool way to take the like these sort of infinite games sort of approach is to make them like, yeah, spiral. Holy shit. That's such a cool concept.
3: Like we've coined a new term in gaming. (laughs) Because it ends. The spiral ends right in the middle. Oh my God. Yeah.
1: That is awesome.
3: I also <laughs> briefly want to point out what I think is probably a obvious piece of lore to everyone else, but I just had a breakthrough, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. That, Raphael, like, all the stuff that you just explained to us about the political system and how the rulers of this of the Commonwealth are chosen by the rights, right? By the, whatever the last word right is called. The last liberation, right. Li- Liberation. Oh, liberation, right? right. Blah, blah, blah. And now the stars are going out and it's going to end that means there are no more rulers getting chosen and then there's a revolution mm-hmm. it all goes together and like this beautiful package of lore and no wonder the voice is hella pissed cuz he knows i don't know i think that's really nice and i just i just realized what all that means and i like it when things tie together so neatly
1: yeah i feel <laughs> like if we had read the book we could have come to that earlier than this moment here but
3: <laughs> but i Fair just got that. it right now no but like
1: you know what i mean like the they did not force us to eat the vegetables of the book.
3: No, and it totally it totally works without it. Even if you don't understand that the political part of what's happening, you still understand that the rights are, you know, that the liberation rights are ending and that's sort of devastating in its own way. But it's cool when you think about it in like full context of like this of everything sort of working together. Because I I will admit, I do think the one thing that maybe we missed from not reading the book was that the the revolution always kind of seemed like a look, I understand the Commonwealth was not great and that I'm not, I wasn't against the revolution, but I was kind of like, oh, this is kind of like a weird thing that's just thrown in here too. Oh, so you're
1: pro-Commonwealth.
3: No. I just <laughs> said that I'm not. Um, but it sounds like like knowing about the book and about the politics like would have really tied all of that together a little bit more tightly for me. Because um, I was always like, oh, cool, okay. We've got like a revolutionary thing going on.
1: I will say, small technical note from our standpoint, just for the people listening so they can understand our experience. We played this on what I would consider to be a giant TV. It's not giant, but we're very close to it. So it's giant enough. It's like 50 inches or whatever. And that's really great for the basketball. And it's really great for a lot of different games. Um, it is not the most enjoyable reading experience, I would say. Right? It's not a Kindle. It's not a screen that um, is comfortably in front of... You know, it's it's just big. So you have to really scan like across your entire vision to like get a sentence and go back. Um, and I do think... This game for both of us, Elena, maybe suffered slightly from the reading experience, mm-hmm. um, which I think is just something to call out. I'm not trying to say that it's good or bad. It's just, it's just an and it's just a matter of it. Like I love the the epicness of the rights on this sort of stuff, and I love all sorts of games on this sort of thing. But I do think reading specifically on a television and maybe just on a screen in general is not my favorite activity. So it's just yeah. something to add to the to the mix there. Okay. Rafael, did
3: you? Yeah, I would agree. More. Uh-huh.
1: I did actually. Yes.
2: I was like,
3: because I I know you had a three hour lecture planned, <laughs> and I don't think that we've gotten through it all yet. So, what other lore tidbits do we have? So,
5: so I mean, I, I did get through most of it. Um, but, so like one of the other aspects of this is like, I, I didn't really talk a lot about like the flaws in the rites. So, I mean, first there's the idea that you're studying these traditions and you're trying to understand where they're coming from, and then you're looking at what happened, and then there's aspects of like, well. Why did this screw up this way? Uh, and so Wolfred and Orleck kind of talk about this,
4: mm-hmm.
5: uh, in that they're saying like the rights themselves are pitting friend against friend, uh, and it becomes this like brutal power struggle.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, there's also the aspect of the like last page in the book is like keep this a secret, no one can know. And the reason why that's there is because the rights are gameable. Like, if you know about the rights, then you know about the mechanism of selecting leadership and you can abuse that. And Mm -hmm. so they wanted it to be a secret. But, like, that in itself is a really bad property of leadership selection. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And so, like, this is why, like, literacy became banned in the Commonwealth. It, mm-hmm. is, it's, I think it's a major contributing factor. Um, and so, like, Wolfred's angle on this was like, we should replace this with a better system. And ultimately, he ends up going for something, like, democratic. It's not really explicit how they did it, but they mention that he becomes an elected leader if mm-hmm. you liberate Prime him. Prime
0: minister, yeah.
5: Um, and... Democracy as a system is less gameable than something like the rights uh, because it's really designed around it being better if more people know how it works. Because, like, okay. the more people participating in it, the better it works. So, literacy and knowledge of the scribes are no longer a threat to the system, yeah. but instead an asset.
1: And, <laughs> I mean, just a small commentary that this game points out that is not anything new, but just the the way that it clearly points at literacy and reading being opposed to essentially like religion in the ancient times is kind of what it's referencing here. It's just such a, it's just a fascinating concept like to think about like, because to us, right. I mean, all of us, we've spent so much of our time growing and learning and reading. I I would not say they're opposed. And I I think
0: think
5: actually the game has a very nuanced, nuanced uh, angle on this where it's not, it's not, pitting religion as the big bad i feel like there's the there's the evil priest trope um and this is not that like religion is a part of these characters lives and it's an important part and sometimes it is a good influence and sometimes it's a bad influence like the scribes intents were reasonable they were good um it's that the system had flaws and became corrupt um and so and yes, religion became a mechanism for, like, uh, reinforcing some of these injustices, but it wasn't really. It, it was not the the evil of the system, and like literacy helps the the religion of the scribes, for example, because mm-hmm. if the rights are no longer the mechanism of selecting the leadership, then everybody can just read this book, and learn about the teachings of the scribes.
3: I feel like. Um... The whatever you named your vagabond girl, the May is kind of a good example of of that too, where she's very in touch with the scribes. Um, and they talk about her in like the end um, end sequence and pictures, mm-hmm. and kind of like what her life goes on to be like and how she ends up being important um, in the new version of the Commonwealth as kind of a religious leader. And I think, yeah. I feel like I I agree with what I feel like. I feel like in this game, like religion is not as opposed to, or is not as not opposed oppositional, or like it's not the big right, bag sure. of this. Yeah, yeah,
1: awesome. Do we feel like it's time? First, I want to talk about the music.
4: <laughs> I was gonna say, please.
1: I want to talk about. Yeah. yeah, you
5: thought I'm you thought the music section. Get the fuck out of here!
1: Come on, man. Oh God, well, I would have done well, that too. I, I... <laughs>
0: I, I did want to expand this, not just from music, but also just the the sound design in this game. Mm-hmm. Like, I know it's such a Weed. big uh, mm-hmm. fear, but, like, um, the I think there's some value to having Darren Corp not only be their composer, but also be their sound engineer. One, in that the sound in this game complements the music very well. Yeah. But I think first I want to start off by just saying that... Um, and, and actually, Raphael did link an article about just the sound architecture with Empire being just like absolutely brilliant. And I just want to echo a lot of that stuff, actually, was that a lot of the sounds in this game work so well because they come so naturally to you as a player uh, that actually like the subtlety of them is what makes them what what makes it so great I think like some perfect examples of this are like when you're having conversations with people in your wagon and it's very subtle but you can hear kind of like a little like din in the background uh and even mm-hmm. in some points like you'll you'll hear just kind of like I don't know what sounds like dishes being cla- clashed together rain. or like wood creaking yeah. rain falling on top ropes being moved but also occasionally you'll hear like a sniffle just kind of like a or something like that and it kind of sounds just like i don't know like i would always kind of take that sniffle like as you as the reader just kind of like sniffling in as they're like listening to a conversation or whatnot it just felt so human and so natural uh that i thought was great but also what i wanted to underscore is that i felt there was a lot of sound design in this game that I believe is probably triggered by you clicking through the story of the visual it novel. Is. Oh, it 100% is,
1: and it's fucking amazing. You can see it in the final so section good. of the game mm-hmm. where they hit everyone's sound. You start reading their story, and then by the end of telling you what has happened to them after the event's end, it hits the fucking like final music yeah. bar, and then you hit the, like, I'm done.
5: Yeah, it ends yeah. the
1: song at the perfect time every time,
5: no matter what time that is. Like, yeah. it's crazy. It is yeah. truly incredible.
0: It is seamless. Yeah. But also, I think another way they do this um, is there's a song called Will of the Scribes. Um, it plays whenever you uncover more story about Volfred and Orlick. Um It's always... A mandolin in the background, where it's like do 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 do, yep. and but I think what is so brilliant about that is it's just the mandolin, but then Orleak will appear on the screen and a bass will drop mm-hmm. every time his character sprite appears, and he is such this menacing opposing <laughs> character, uh and, and it is always done perfectly timed with when his character appears on the screen even if it's like in the middle of a bar or something within the score that's playing like i just think that is so like it's it's such a subtle but such a well-timed just thought that they put into that because it just kind of like it it doesn't underscore just how menacing and like scary the character of Orlec is but it mm. doesn't interrupt the music at all to underscore this or even like do something horrible like put like a sound effect of like or something like that Like mm-hmm. it doesn't like I don't know do any of that stuff to show you how imposing it is rather it complements it with the musical undertones uh that it puts in there
1: it's cohesive that word you were talking about earlier it's cohesive in the sense of when that character shows everything this game can throw at you has the same tone right like (laughs) and the audio is no exception and that's what you're highlighting here and dude you're absolutely right it's fucking amazing the audio tones that they hit are just as good as the fake language little sections that Mm -hmm. they hit and they're just as good as the writing that they're hitting like it just is all so clearly hitting the same note quote unquote right but in this mm-hmm. case, it's a literal note, and oh my god. Yeah, every character right. has their vibe, and mm-hmm. and each, like, emotion has its own vibe almost in a way, and it's just, I, I don't know. I've, I mean, do you feel so much, like, I've never been, like, swept up by these vibes so quickly and so completely than in this game.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, when those I mean, characters yeah. show up, they just yeah. I'm just like, okay, yes, whoa. Like, and even like Sir Gilman, like, okay, we're doing the honor thing. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm committed to it. And the second it all hits at once, like, oh, my God.
0: I, I, I think each musical interlude is – it actually perfectly complements how they presented this story, story as like a high fantasy d d campaign sort of thing where it's like each trip that your caravan takes is like a chapter in a story with a beginning, middle, and end. I think that's also underscored by like um, and actually the article mentions this that I wanted to bring up where it's like you have this mandolin that is playing just like this background music and every time your caravan enters a new area there's like just kind of an ending note to the mandolin and the music just kind of slowly like cuts out from there but it's done in this kind of like ending chord of like the chapter is done on to the next chapter. Um and I think that's just part of the charm. I think it's underscored also just by the their use of a bard of Tariq in this where it's like you do have a character who is essentially following you on your journey and reciting everything that you and your companions are doing. Um And I just, I I really like that implementation in this a lot. Uh, Like, in the past games they've had, like, in in Bastion and in Transistor, they've had music that kind of helps tell the story, but never in such a confrontational way as having a literal bard character, as Pyre does.
5: Yeah, Um, they'll, like, drop in a jukebox or something at some point, and it's like, you can play any track you've seen, but this time mm -hmm. it's like it is the bard's instrument and he'll like yeah he'll be like yeah i'll play that song for you
0: yeah exactly but then it's only
1: it's only that instrument playing the song yeah it's like his version of Mm -hmm. each of the songs but that's Mm -hmm. fucking wild Mm -hmm. which is awesome yeah it's so cool like that's that shit guys like part of video games especially these indie ones is like having shit like that to tell people like yo like what's really crazy about this game is you can hear all the tracks but like through one instrument because there's a guy who will just play him in your caravan. And like, no one fucking told me that shit. Where's this, like, where's this knowledge? No one dropped that shit like before I played this game. But like, watching it, you're like, oh, that is unlike anything. I mean, that's otherworldly. That's mm-hmm. beyond anything I could ever expect. Like, it's just so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Right. And like, the fact that a lot of the songs with lyrics in them are very nice story-wise where it's like Tariq will just be like let me sing you a song as we sail across the seas here and he goes into one of his like more lyric based songs uh that i really like a lot um i still get chills every time he and celeste sing uh the morning song which is i think at the last liberation right i think
1: which one is this one Um, sing it for us about the wife Oh, or is it the one about the, the three the, as one?
3: No, 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 no. So they sing that one for every liberation, right? And it's really cool because they, they like layer in the music of the people that you're fighting with this mm-hmm. um, When the Stars Align, Three Shall Fight As One song. But that's at every liberation, right? But before... I think you're right. So I think it's before the last one. Celeste, Celeste he is Celeste like,
0: sing... Yeah, like she a, tells him to stay about back. About his lost remember? and lonesome bride.
3: Yeah. Yeah, mm. I was going to ask, does any... Did anyone understand, is that like directly a lore related song or is that more of like it's a song that they know? I couldn't quite figure out who the last Lonesome Bride was, but I, I was curious if I just missed it.
5: I don't think I got all of that, but um, I mean, it's definitely being Tariq at that point is is mourning that he's not going to see any of the characters again.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Like I and I also think it was him and Celeste mourning like this will be like the last times that they will join together in a song quite like this. Yeah. Together mm-hmm. again.
3: That was sort of my um, interpretation. I just wasn't a hundred percent on it, so I was curious if anyone And, and this is something right. Super Nailed Giant
1: that. Games just does. Like it's like the announcer is a character and it's connected to the game in Bastion. And then like the literal people singing the songs. And playing the instruments are like in the game.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just mm-hmm. the the connection is just so much deeper than I'm always was used to, and I I always have a strange reaction to this sort of stuff because to me I get um kind of almost like mad or frustrated at how brilliant it is because I'm just like it it, sh- it just shows like like because for instance like the ending song for example I'm sitting there like all of these lyrics are so relevant I'm like mad. Like, this is, like, so applicable to the story. Like, it's so <laughs> yeah, well-crafted. Yeah, like, kind of furious. Like, what the fuck is this? Because I'm sitting there, like, they didn't just choose a Bonnie Vera song <laughs> that they licensed that sort of fits and put it at the end. They fucking wrote their own song, and it's fucking amazing. They and wrote... they wrote, like, 50 bajillion
5: versions of it. Like, each little piece can be swapped out based on what happened to that character.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: That's right. Yeah, and
5: I think there's also variations within that. Like, I noticed that... In my playthroughs, Bertrude's one was always like she uh, cursed her enemies with the darkest of curses or something. Uh, but in the soundtrack one, it's talking about she she kept her enemies at bay with the uh, like fanciest enchantments or something. Mhm. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's reflecting like a lot of choices as
1: well. Yeah, which is really cool. And I will just say like quick technical note. Because I'm by no means an audio expert, but I have spent many years listening to audio and trying to get our podcast to sound good. And I will just, yeah, it doesn't matter nearly as much as the creativity of all this. But I will just say the technical mastery in terms of the sense of the way they record all these sounds, the, the, the quality of all of these recordings are, I mean, they're fucking amazing. Like the mm-hmm. clarity Of all of the sounds, all of them that you're talking about, not only are they, as you guys have all explained, the right sounds for the moment to hit and be emotional, but they are just so expertly recorded. I can't even begin to explain it. And they're so expertly mixed. Like, it's just, it's just an audio masterpiece. And like, that dynamic song at the end where you, it's choosing the lines based on your Mm -hmm. story, you would never fucking know because the way that the, the the people are singing it feels like it leads from the previous verse to this one like it just feels natural it's
0: it's all the way down to like the pronouns that you used Mm -hmm. as a character like i've listened to the song with he he him pronouns and with she her pronouns and like you would never be able to tell that like it's it's not like they do like an awkward like cortana like cheat <laughs> in the middle of it, like it like 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 you can tell that they actually like recorded multiple versions and yeah like there so like yeah that that ending song has multiple versions but even just that last uh, liberation rights song as elena was mentioning like there are 17 versions of the liberation rite song um and, and they're all determinant on who is winning the liberation rite as well as who you are facing so like for instance if you're facing the pyre hearts there is one for if the night wings are prevailing over the pyre hearts and then there's another version if the pyre hearts are prevailing um and it's all done in just this nice synchronistic way where like as Elena was mentioning like I do like in that ending song how you can hear the other team's song influence slightly in the Mm -hmm. background and if the other team is winning more slightly their song becomes more pronounced in that song oh
1: like that rap Um, battle video game i was talking about the other day
0: (laughs) yeah like it it, it is like in a way kind of like a rap battle in a way where it's just like you know so then if the pirate hearts prevail then you hear the pirate hearts uh you know knights of the sea song which is awesome what a great sheet. yeah the shanty
1: oh absolutely well and that's, a, that's the thing I, I did want to touch on this quickly because we all had this reaction at first that oh these are just cliche characters right like oh here's the guy that does this and here's the guy that does this right literally liter- literally here's the old dog right you know this sort of stuff um but they they go past the cliches and show you why they're cliches like they show the depth behind all of this like, when you say, like, oh, this is an awesome sea, sh- sea shanty, I could have easily been like, oh, well, um, you know, like, of course you would do a sea. No, this, they fucking rocked it, bro. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. And, like, it's just the way that they say there's a reason why humans understand this story about an old dog. There's a reason we respond to that. I'll show you why. Let me tell you. It's just, it's incredible. And, yeah, they definitely do it. The audio first. By the way, quick quick technical note. I did want to say the video that rafael is talking about we'll try to link it around but just in case this is helpful to you at all uh search for pyre game audio review the sound architect that will get you there probably i imagine google's that good um anyways uh because it's kind of hard mm-hmm. for us to link shit on instagram and stuff because like you know people be selling shit whatever the fuck i think they got we'll really put it in stuff. the
0: show notes for sure yeah we'll do what we can do
1: um yeah yeah Sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to make sure that, that it was mentioned. I want to make sure they can get it out there because mm-hmm. there's some there's some cool stuff here. And, like, I would say even the audio design grew on me Um, in the sense of, like, that's kind of silly because it's actually truly incredible from almost the very get-go. But what I'm referring to is the title screen. When I opened this game, I was like, hmm, this is cool. Like, I... I, I like this sound and immediately the reviewer brain, right? The like podcast brain in me is like, but it's not my favorite super giants, you know, starter screen or whatever the fuck. Like it's not my favorite (laughs) song by them. So I guess it's just a step down from them. And I swear to God, especially this week, the second week we've been playing every fucking time I open this game, it washes over me and sets me in the perfect mindset to play this fucking game every fucking time it's so so good and i've been listening to the the soundtrack uh on youtube and it's just it's so fucking good you guys
0: i i will say like the soundtrack i think is done better after you've played it i know because i never played pyre but i don't i being being a super fan of Darren Korb, what's up? Uh, like yeah. I always listen to the Pyre soundtrack prior yes. to
4: even <laughs> hey, completing the me. game. <laughs> <I'm> sorry, Bowie. <laughs> no, it just no, it's, to me.
0: That's
1: the way it sounded.
0: It, it's it's absolutely true, but uh, like <laughs> the like I, I think one of the things also about Pyre's soundtrack that always seemed a little bit jarring was just how diverse the soundtrack is compared to the other games like hades is very heavy heavy metal slash rock based transistors very electronic based and then bastion is very frontier it's like frontier alternative based um empire is like all over the place in terms of it has its more um high fantasy mandolin ballads but then it like when you're flying the cart around like it has this like techno like like as you're flying around uh and then like you have this i don't know like fucking harpsichord pompous music whenever you go against the chastity or something like yeah
5: mm-hmm, the
4: baroque it, like
0: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like it like so like whenever like i i I was gonna be all pretentious be like when i have dinner parties but no like really like whenever like i used to have company over at the house like i always like to put uh like a bastion soundtrack on quiet volume in the background but pyre i could never have put on the background just because of how back and forth the music was and right. i always yeah. liked it but i was also just like i don't understand why the music's like that and after playing the game now i listen to the soundtrack now and i'm just like oh yes this is the part where we meet these guys and this is the part where we meet these guys so like i just think it's just done even better now yes. that i know what's going on at those like, points
1: like why like why is that that you couldn't put it on for a dinner party it's because it does such an incredible job at changing the vibe instantly mm-hmm. And that right. would never work for when your vibe is more important than the game. But now that you understand the context of the vibe, like, holy shit. Like, every single time, you're just like, yes, I remember that that vibe. Is that what you're going to say, Elena? Right.
3: right. Exactly. No, I was just going to say, I had the exact same experience as though, because, also, I mean, yeah, the Bastion soundtrack has been, like, in regular rotation. I mean, I just listen to video game soundtracks a lot. But um, I've listened to the Bastion soundtrack for a lot. A lot. And then I didn't like the Transistor one as much. It just, like, never quite worked for me, even after having played it. I think it's because there's so much singing. There's, like, so much... I don't, I don't like voices in my music. But the Pyre one, like, I couldn't... When the game first came out, we hadn't played it, but I started listening to the soundtrack, and I was like, I don't really get this. Um, But definitely since we've been playing it, it's been, like, on my morning commutes yeah. most mornings. Yeah. It's just been Pyre. So I agree, Zoe. I think once you like once you've played the game... It all clicks into place.
1: And, and and I think we're getting to maybe, like, a real serious sort of, like, takeaway of this, at least for me, where when something speaks to me, like, at a, at a, at a soul level, at our core level, I, I can see it differently. Like, you know, if I'm not certain about something, I will not be strong about my opinion on it, and I will let people sort of say what they say and influence me in the way that they want to influence it, especially if they feel more certain about it than I. But when someone says oh, I don't know, the soundtrack wasn't that good. I am certain you are wrong. <laughs> That's it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I know it now because I've gone through this game and I've played it and I've listened to it enough and I, I just know it's okay. It's okay to be wrong. You know what I'm saying? And it's okay. But I just, I will not be swayed. This is amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And I know that now. And I, I, can even point back to my own personal self beforehand and be like, Ah, yes, you would have been the person saying, "I don't know if this is Super Giant's game's best work," in a in a flippant little remark, and you were wrong.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you yes, being over me.
5: the course of the game, you gained enlightenment.
1: That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And hope for for
5: context, enlightenment is like the name it gives for XP that the characters gain.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Okay uh is there are there are there more sound debates Another... or is that a good section on sound I
0: think that I mean I I could always go on and on but I think that's a great place to just put a yeah. you know put to rest
1: <laughs> put to rest the sound mm-hmm. um <laughs> yes okay yes um there was a fan write in about this game and this person sent this uh like one day after the first pyre episode was released. Yeah, you know, to be fair, we were in the middle of the Super Giant's games box, so it wasn't like it wasn't telegraphed. Um but they were just like, yo, like I was ready and I wrote this. And I was gonna read it. And feel free to jump in on any of these ideas if you think they're interesting. Um but also I'm doing this sort of as a preface because the the, the subject line of this is my take of pyre. And it's from this guy named Anthony. And I think that's cool. It's cool in my head to have a fan's perspective of this game before we go into our perspectives of this game, having Mm -hmm. talked so much. But also, if they bring up any ideas you want to jump on, feel free to jump on them real quick. Um, And then also, small asterisk to Anthony, um, I've probably had slightly more wine than you would want for a reading of this email. (laughs) So if I trip with (laughs) words, that's on me, not on Anthony. He wrote this beautifully, and then, so anyway. Um, Hello, Tyranny of Thumbs podcast. I've been listening to you guys for quite a while since your Bioshock episodes. Just now, oh god, since the Bioshock episodes. Oh
3: boy, we're already starting happening.
1: Hey, you know, Stay. shout outs to those episodes. Listen, the they were a journey, okay, <laughs> a journey. Um, anyways, and just now, do I feel inclined to mail in because Pirate is one of my most controversial love slash hated games? Interesting. Okay. Hmm. I've played all of Supergiant's games and Pyro would rank second right behind Hades with Transistor and Bastion following. And I wanted to start with that because, guys, we have to rate our Supergiant Games block games, don't we? Yeah. (sighs) (laughs) I know it's going to be hard, but I think we do.
3: It's not going to be hard. Moving on. It's
1: not going to be hard? Go ahead, Elena.
3: I'll go
0: first. Well, okay, hold on.
3: Do we (laughs) each have to give a
0: rank or
2: do we have to give it as the podcast, do we have to
1: argue about it?
2: No, 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 no. no. Each our
1: own personal rank and call it a
2: day, I am not ready for game
0: of the year again, James. We'll give it some thought as we finish the rest of this email. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay, so, but please do, because I think that's a really cool exercise and we should totally do it. Um, I played Pirate immediately when it released, then went for a second playthrough right when I finished the first. Spoiler, since you only did three loops when the first episode uh, released, which is true, but now we're on the second episode, so worry not. Oh, and by the way, uh, for the audience, spoilers on the the game. All right.
0: They very well know. Also,
1: thank you for having the spoiler warning. Yeah, this was like a legit. Yeah. We could delay reading this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. That was so well thought out. I immediately got to there and was like, thank you, and did not read further until I'd beat the game. So, this is where it's all new for everyone. Okay. I never played a visual novel, but when I, uh, but immediately I knew this one was one when I played it. And it definitely affected the reviews and the critical reception when this was released. For me, I absolutely loved the characters, their voices, their interactions, the plot, music, art, and everything on my first playthrough. I liked that I instantly hated manly Tinder stuff. Wow, nice. Um, you Googled that, didn't you? Okay, not important. Um, does anyone remember <laughs> the last name offhand? Okay, yeah. Uh, never... uh that, that never, Yes, that's awesome. Uh, I liked that I instantly hated manly. Never knew if I could tr- fully trust Volfrid, Pamatha, and the voice. Felt sympathy for Oralek and just loved the relationship between Bay. Yes, I called her that. <laughs> and Almer. <laughs> in my first playthrough, I released everyone but the original three. Whoa. Hedwin, Jodariel, and Ruki. By the way, this is like excellently capitalized, like better than any of my text messages. Anyway, it's not important. <laughs> um, Because at some point in the beginning... Uh, Hedwin made a promise that it would be the initial three and the reader that would be liberated, no Mm -hmm. matter what. For some reason, I thought I was being clever, and I thought if I kept us all together, then somehow we would all be liberated. Oh well, we all stayed in the downside, and I love that that's how my original save went. Now, where I fell off the game hard was my second playthrough. On this one, I decided to just be selfish and lose every single right, whoa, except the last one. Where i liberated only myself and sandra i wanted to be mean to everyone and to have them hate me hmm. thing is this is not the type of rpg where characters feelings towards you uh carries uh, sorry characters feelings change towards you everyone still loved me despite all i said and did yes the revolution was violent and bloody but the fact that my party felt the same to me as they did in my first playthrough soured me completely None of my actions mattered because the outcome was the same and that turned me off to the game for a while. In the end, I turned back to Pyre, but I didn't feel like it was the perfect game I thought it was at first. The fact that the characters had such an effect on me showed how well they were all done, even if my actions didn't affect them to the degree I thought they did. The rights were fun, but too easy, even with the 12 Titan Stars Act. What the Whoa, fuck?
3: Whoa, I mean, that's a Damn. flex right there. <laughs> Damn,
1: humble flex. That's sick though, nice job. Um, I still think... That it's one of the most creative games out there and worthy of being a super giant game. Thanks for the great content and keep it up, Anthony. Yo, shout out! Yeah, Damn, I'm I'm still wow. reeling
0: with the 12 Titan Stars act. Damn, I know. <laughs> like what? Damn.
1: <laughs> oh, I was I was Zoe style when does where Rafael I was like, I'll admit f- that
2: he also has that. Uh, uh I
5: I got the achievement, but I mostly did not Jeez. play with Titan Stars. Oh
2: my god.
1: Wow. Yeah, I chose them occasionally and then I was like, but for but whenever it came to game time, when mm-hmm. you put on the white robes, right, for the the liberation, right? You know what I mean? Which by the way, Ball or Touch, that you have a whole different outfit for the liberation, rights, Legit. Um I would definitely turn the stars off.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I, I
1: mean, I think I think I I usually try to pick and choose
5: when I want difficulty and Pyre was not a game that I felt I would get a lot of difficulty, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Me too.
3: I love. But interesting, the, yeah. I love. I think two One super crazy, like very different liberation strategy from all of us for yeah. his first playthrough, like mm-hmm. leaving the original three. I don't. Did anybody else do that? I think no. we liberated the entire first three.
0: I was gonna say I liberated the the original three first because I was like I owe it to them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah I would. I would say though that like actually though. I bet you the game is really interesting when you don't liberate those crew for the whole time because I bet you they have awesome interactions that we missed on, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I would agree, mm. yeah. Like, I, I kind of regret that I liberated Headwind first just because I felt like there could be some things with him that I missed out on.
1: Oh, yeah, like romance, totally. Um...
0: <laughs> I wish, but no, his, his heart is betrothed to another. I'm so right. sorry. Right, <laughs> right, right. I can't, true, I can't impose.
5: <laughs> yeah, I think that's a fair criticism about it not it not fully reacting in the way that like if mm-hmm. you literally like burn everything to the ground, the characters are still like, hey, sup.
1: Yeah. Um and, and maybe that's a consequence of how it tried to be so kind and forgiving to your choices? Yeah. And, and to and your I mean, failures. I think actually
5: one of the things they were trying to do in this game was uh not have your actions matter. Yeah. It, so like they're they're supposed to have personal significance but they're not like Wolfred says this outright like in his final thing where it's like he always stressed that the outcome had little to do with himself um and i think that's true of your character as well like the the revolution was gonna happen like Mm -hmm. it it was how things were structured like it it was gonna happen one way or another uh and you can influence it but you're not going to completely change that um but i mean i i get that at the same time like if you were a complete asshole to all the characters then they
2: should probably hate you yeah uh, you don't really I guess get I didn't do that. many options to be a dick though
1: yeah
5: but i like, mean you, you'd think that I... they'd get bitter if
1: you're screwing them over in every right It's interesting. I I think they viewed that that second playthrough that this guy went through almost as the um, developer's daughter playthrough, where you lose a lot of things, but they still want to be kind and encouraging. I'm wondering if that's like a bit of the cognitive dissonance that this person felt. I mean, I think maybe
5: it's not fair to them, but like in a lot of games where you have moral decisions, there's like the righteous path, and then there's like the destroy everything path, Uh, and a lot of games really force you into that uh like mass effect for example
4: Mm
5: -hmm. uh it's like you have to go with one or the other and that's maybe how it came out maybe not maybe they were just curious about how it would play out Mm -hmm. um but i think it it sounds to me that part of it is just like trying to reproduce the exploration methods from other games
3: yeah, and I yeah. think someone said in the last episode, I want to say, that, that they purposely wrote Pyre so that if you did fail every liberation rate, like, the story would still make sense. It would still mm-hmm. sort of, like, proceed as normal. And I feel like because they did that, it does make that kind of, like, renegade renegade playthrough not really work as a renegade option. Because... They wanted it well, to be like, oh, it's fine. It, like it's, it, you still get the revolution. It does. It doesn't like his was like bloody, which is very interesting because ours was peaceful. So I right. assume. No, we succeeded. I assume plane, like if you lose French, more, if yeah. you if you don't get as many people out, you have a different way of revolution. Um. But yeah, sorry, James. What did you want to say to to that?
2: Oh, I was gonna say, um. Most video games, where you have these kind of choices um your player character is like not a human it's like an empty shell that the player like reaches into and like chooses amongst these really uncomfortable dialogue options that don't really make any sense um and so you're just like a douchebag to everybody for fun or you just like say the paragon thing but like the character that you are barely exists in the world um, in terms of like being a functional person. And in this game, I feel like that's not true. Um, and because of that, like I, I basically, I think that the um, it's a person and y- you're playing a role. <laughs> you don't get it's a role playing game because you are playing the role of the reader, not because you get to choose the actions of of the person um and and choose what role you're you're playing. Mm-hmm. Um and so, you know, they actively decided that in this game um you don't get to do that. And I think that's really um like to me, I like that choice. I like, I like that the writers of this game uh, decided what they wanted the story to be, and how they wanted the player actions to affect it, and they stuck to that. I think that um, it makes it a stronger story. Um, Perhaps less immersive in specific ways, but I think more immersive in others. So and it James. it it pleases me.
1: <laughs> Might that be evidenced by the way that that this person had a fantastic first playthrough and then the second playthrough mm-hmm. where they went totally different? It wasn't it wasn't as good, and it, and there wasn't a second game in there. In essence, I, I don't know how to describe this, and perhaps I'm doing it poorly, but it was. Interesting that they they noted how good the first playthrough was. And I think that was sort of speaking to what you're what you're saying and potentially the intention of this of this game and the way it was written and that like that sort of like that first time through kind of no matter which way it goes, assuming you're you're trying your best, it will it will give you what Pyre wants to give you, in essence.
2: Yeah. And I think I mean, I think that a bunch of games have lied and said that your choices matter. Um, right? And, um, this game gives you choices and then the decisions that you make affect the ending. Um, and they do that in a really evocative, effective way. Um, and, they show you how the choices mattered um, in the like book that they give you to read and like press, click the button a bunch of times so that you can read through all the various stories of what happens to all the characters at the end. Um, and I think that kind of um, leads you to believe that there might be a whole different way that you could play the game um, and see a completely different outcome. But instead, you were just being emotionally manipulated by good writing into making the choices feel like th- you were making those choices. But really, it was just good writing.
1: <laughs> if you get what I mean.
2: Um.
1: What I will say, though, is fucking shout-outs to Anthony, and shout-outs to everyone who's written this podcast so far. You guys have all been so eloquent, and it's been so well-written, and people have included pictures in line in the email. I don't even do that shit at work well. Like, this shit is so well-formatted from people and so well-thought-through. Thank you so much. And, like, what an awesome way for us to categorize... Our, oh, Elena's making a signal.
3: And if you want to write in, oh, boy. you can do it at <laughs> tyrannyofthumbs at gmail.com. Tell us what you thought about Pyre. Yeah. Or any other games that we've yeah. played.
1: Look, we don't have like a large enough audience mm-hmm. to like make this happen where we could do a system like this. But I, I think it's really cool to hear what people, what other people think about these games as we lead into our, our thoughts, our final thoughts uh, about this game. Because it's cool to set the stage um that way because if we go back to it in the end i turned back to Pyre, but didn't feel like it was the perfect game i thought it was at first so i didn't play it a second time this is my first time through and i'm just gonna say i don't know if it's quite perfect but this game blew me away are you rating it i am rating it
3: Bum, ba-dum, ba-dum. let's go
1: yes so I have waffled on this a little bit and it's changed over the course of the 2 weeks because it's hard it's hard to rate this game. You heard that one before? Is it hard to rate this game? Oh, is that a, is that a cliche now?
3: Oh, I think it's easy to Sorry, wait. What? Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I just was like, I thought you were throwing to me to because I, I think it's gonna be easy to put the super giant games in order, but I'm not sure. I thought I'm not sure why I thought that's what you were asking <coughs> oh, fuck, me. Oh, we
1: need to do that. That's true. That's true. That's true. Should we do that before? Well, okay, oh, first do your rating. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. I think let's rate Pyre first, our and our then rankings. we'll get
3: into that. I apologize. That I was my bad. I
1: am going to give Pyre a golden star, and this was hard because I thought the whole time, the whole this, every single time we played, I said, Elena, this is a, this is a two thumbs up game if I've ever seen one. But there were points in that last playthrough session when I finished this game where I was like, this might be a gold star. And I'm going to say it like this. This may not be my favorite gold star ever. And trust me, the gold star is the category where you can literally have the the games that are closest to my heart that I, I think are on leagues of their own. But if you think to yourself, could this be a gold star? It's a fucking gold star. That's it. Games do not flirt with that line and then accidentally be a two, two thumbs up. Do you know what I mean? You do not get such excellence like that. Um, if you're, for me at least, if you're considering it, then it's there already. That's like games that, cons- you know. Okay, I said that one already. Should I say this one? again a third time? Okay. Uh, I think we got it. Yeah. Oh, cool.
4: That's great. <laughs> I actually say it two more times.
1: Okay, yeah. So basically what I'm saying is if the game is good enough that you think it might be a gold star, It has made its case already. Um, Okay. And so I think we have said a lot about this game and I'm not going to launch into a giant thing. We already have you guys, but holy shit, I am so glad that we played this game and I want to echo one sentiment here, which is that I'm so thankful for the podcast and for all of you to force me to play this fucking game because I have clearly benefited and loved it and grown as a person as a result. And I see the world slightly differently now, and I have slightly more in my tool belt as a result of this. And this easily could have been another show on Netflix that I watched for the third time, but it wasn't, and I'm thankful for that. Okay, and so ranking of –
3: Wait, should we all – Rate Pyre first, and then we should all rank them. Okay,
1: if you have an idea about how we should yes. end this podcast, write into the- <laughs> I, I think Let we me Do my the, phone the, the rankings all. together.
5: Yeah, so the, I think. The all right, all right, the all, right, all, right all
1: right, all right.
3: I think it's right, two circles all right. tonight.
1: All right, so I'm done, and I'm gonna pass. Throw, throw the celestial. Orb. Yes, so I'm gonna throw. the, What the fuck? Throw the what?
0: The, the celestial orb. orb.
4: Oh,
5: that the one makes
0: that sense. we were playing
5: with this entire game. <laughs> no,
0: no, no, no. Sorry. Dude, the sorry. one that you gave a gold star on. Look,
1: Paying a lot of attention. Oh, good lord. No, it was a moment where, like the Discord audio got kind of fucked. I couldn't is hear. A,
2: oh, okay. come so on, people. I might have come drunk people. a little bit too much wine. A- oh,
1: you guys <laughs> fucking suck. I'm going to give this podcast a fucking mad. Pass it. Pass it. And I'm going to pass it to someone who's not a complete jackass. Oh, that's. I can't. Bertrude. Yeah, it's Bertrude, who is the best, aka James. What do you think?
2: Oh, shit. <laughs> um. I'm a snake person. That's pretty chill. Um, Yeah, I think that this game... I experienced a lot of emotions while playing this game. Um, Frustration, rage, joy, um, happiness, uh, etc., etc., uh i i could go on listing emotions that i experienced but i i feel like we got the point um it's not there's not a lot of games that do that um i think i think it it really took me the whole 2 weeks of of playing this game to figure out how to play this game <laughs> um, in a way that is successful to me um, and after I did that, I was like, Man, I wish I could go back and start over and and um because when when I figured out how to kind of emotionally separate myself from those adrenaline highs that I talked a lot about last episode um, that really made me struggle to dig into the uh, dating sim. It's not a dating sim. It's a visual novel. Whatever. They're very similar. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't want to talk about it. Uh, I mean, to
1: Elena, it was a dating sim. Yo, they're fucking. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> they're fucking.
3: <laughs> um, I wasn't trying to date anybody. I was just recognizing. You're just
1: like, yo, they're dating, or yeah. are they?
3: Okay, yeah,
2: so, true.
1: Yep. Go ahead. Uh huh.
2: Yeah, but Volfred hits different, though, right? Yes, oh my God. <laughs> definitely. Um. <laughs> uh, so- <laughs> anyway, long story short. The basketball is awesome. The story is awesome. The writing is some of the best I've ever seen in video games. Super Giant continues to knock it out of the park. Um, I'm going to give this a gold star as well. This game is awesome. And I didn't even read the fucking book.
1: (laughs) 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 You're not alone.
2: Mostly because until I stopped reading the book... I felt rage every time I unlocked another page. Um, That was where the rage came in that I mentioned earlier. Um, And then the second I stopped reading it, all of that rage went away. And I was like, oh, cool. I unlocked another thing I'm never going to look at. And it just didn't affect me. Um, But yeah, figure out how this game works for you. Because it's worth it. Um gold star and I pass it to Zoe.
3: Okay. Cool. You can pass I'm it I'm to somebody it. else if you feel like time. I am dashing to the
0: pyre. Okay.
3: <laughs> My no, orb's
0: gone. Uh,
5: Fuck me. I'm dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the celestial orb is not a trifle but to be exchanged as social pleasantries.
0: <laughs> somebody read the book. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh no, okay, so I mean I think like, yeah, I think we, we've we illustrated a lot in this podcast just how much we, like, the various aspects that we like about this game. Uh, I think how I want to underscore my rating is just, um, I'll just start it out by just saying, I don't like high fantasy games, uh, usually. I, I look at them and I'm like, wow, that just seems heavy lore-based, it's gonna be a bunch of fantastical creatures that are all gonna follow the same tropes and the same stereotypes. There's gonna be a serious elf with a wisecracking dwarf and a strong heroic human. And am I talking about Lord of the Rings? Yeah, I'm talking about Lord <laughs> of the Rings, but like whatever. Like I feel like every
2: That's everything.
0: Every it's game, like, follows that trope. And I think what makes pyre stand out is that it does follow those tropes but it puts it onto different character types within like you know sir gilman being the wise cracking slash like optimistic one and joe dariel the demon being like the more serious of the bunch um like i i just think the creativity is just a flowing in this game and i'm always constantly at awe at what Supergiant can do to tap into their creative reserves. And after every game they do, I always think to myself, "Okay, well, they've surely exhausted their reserves by now. But it just never seems like they quite do it. Um, They constantly just leave me in awe. They constantly innovate off of what they've done prior, but they still manage to find ways to keep it fresh and new. And when it came to pyre like i said the first time i played this game i bounced off of it within an hour or two i did say last week i do think that was just due to my current life situation at the time and i again i i'm so happy that i have a situation like the podcast that gets me to sit down and actually play this game all the way through Uh, Because I am so grateful that I did, and I guess that just means I'm gonna give this another gold star in the super giant bunch because it it was a really awesome game. I've never like it, it. It was I thought it was a game that I had figured out, but even so, even after I had determined which of my uh, companions would stay and which would go. I still found myself at the end of every liberation right, just mulling over the choice of, oh, do I really want this though? Oh fuck! But we're against the fate, and I really want the old cur to go home. Like his story is also so sad. Fuck! And I felt myself just feeling so emotionally invested every liberation right, which I think is just an outstanding feat that they can do in any iteration of any loop that they do with all the cast of characters that they have on hand um bravo to them gold star uh passing or lobbing the orb i'm gonna lob it over to elena (laughs) Yeah, i will catch
3: it um okay i'm a little bit upset because I didn't realize McCoy was going to go before me, and I thought I was going to be all cool coming in here after we've been talking about it being a great two like a really solid two-star game all week and I was going to be the one who got to give it a gold star and be like, yeah. But McCoy already did it.
0: So disappointing. So you're just a pleb who's also going to give it a gold Basically, star. Basically, yeah, but I want everyone to know that I'm not <laughs> copying. I'm, I'm not
3: copying him. I thought of it first.
4: Yeah. Uh-huh. But I think
3: <laughs> Like, so many people have, I don't really have anything new to add to this conversation, so I'm just going to, like, briefly echo a couple of things people have said, that this game takes some time to get into and some time to, like, realize what it's building and how incredible it is. Um, And by the time we were hitting, like, the fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh loops, like, I think it was becoming more and more clear, like, this this game was going to be, a gold star for me. I really, um, for me, I think what I loved most about this game was, I know Zoe just gave a review saying so that she does not usually like the lore of high fantasy. I fucking love the lore of high fantasy. Um, but I, I really enjoy just the characters in this game and how well they're written and their relationships with each other. And I think we've all kind of echoed like, the characters fall into so many different stereotypes. Like Tizo is just like ridiculously cute. He's like a just a ridiculously cute trolley bird. Um and Wolfred is kinda like the shady, sketchy, wise character who you're never sure if you can trust. And there are all of these tropes. Um, but they're just done so incredibly well. And the characters are so interesting and the the writing in it really I think sells them. Um and so to me like that's what really stood out in this game. And that's what I really enjoyed about it was like, I was always looking forward to going and getting to see the minstrel and Celeste like meet back up again and like hear what they were going to say to each other. Um... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yes, I was excited (laughs) to find out if they were fucking, I was pretty sure they were, but I just also like to see their relationship develop. Like I was always looking for the next thing around the corner. Um, and I love that. I think this game is phenomenal. I like the sort of like Candyland art style. I love the trolley little cart that you ride around and never get it's just yeah. it's just really great. Yeah. And I think in like essentially every Gold Star review I've given, I always talk about like the cohesion of the game. Apparently I'm really into cohesive games. But I think that this game is just it it all fits together so incredibly perfectly to make this just really super special experience that I'm really glad we finally actually played because I think like again like nothing new but like I'm gonna make my point anyways like any, everyone else already said I would have never played this game on my own I would have never McCoy and I had had a sitting in our game library for years and just never touched it because basketball doesn't sound like fun and I'm so glad that we finally played it and like discovered how much deeper it is than basketball like this game is the greatest basketball, you know, sim of all time, if that's what it is. It's just
0: really fascinating. Now that we've
2: said that, we're going to have to, like, play a basketball game for the podcast. Oh, my God. NBA.
0: NBA. Jam next week. No, 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 no. no,
1: no. <laughs> NBA fucking. We'll do, like, do, like the most simmy, like, the most dry fucking, like, 2021 yeah, yeah, NBA yeah. fucking. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
3: my God. But, no, this game is phenomenal. It's really good. I really enjoyed our time with it. And I'm giving it a cool star. And then I'm going to just I'm just going to toss it to Raphael to bring it home.
4: Okay.
5: Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think I I had played this uh, around when it came out and I remembered enjoying it at the time. And I kind of had this conceptual ranking of the Supergiant games already, like going into this. And I was like, yeah, Pyre's probably like two thumbs up. Like, I'm not sure I liked it as much as, like, Bastion or Hades, but I did like it more than Transistor. Um, <laughs> but, I I mean, I guess I didn't really give it the, like, the time to really think about every, like, all the complexity in this game. And playing it a second time, I, I didn't do the, like, radically different playthrough. I just, I still, like, tried to play to my heart, I guess. Um mm. And really thinking about, like, what I would say about the game, like, why it spoke to me and why, like, it did things for me that Transistor didn't, uh, it gave me so much more appreciation for it. Uh, Like, I don't think I would have picked up on all the complexity in the Book of Rights and the whole uh, revolution and the different forms of government. Um, Those were all there, and I I noticed them, but... I didn't really think about their implications and how it was set up um so yeah i mean playing it a second time i i really got a lot more out of it and it is incredible like everything that you guys have said it's like the characters are amazing some of them are tropes and some of them actually subvert the tropes mm-hmm. um i would say like joe dariel she comes off as like the gruff stern like character but She's also the mother of many a foundling, as one of the songs goes. Like, she she was fostering people in the war on the blood border. Um, and so, like, one of the, the character points for her is where you maybe say that you find her scary, and she doesn't show it, but she's hurt by that because she sees herself as a protector, and you're saying, like, you you find her,
1: like, You don't want to be around her. (laughs) You don't want her to protect you. You're scared of her. She can't protect you from the fear if she is the fear. Totally.
5: And so I think, like, although they have the tropes, like, again, they're so tastefully done. Like, they are the tropes, but they're also, like, real people. Like, the way they behave and the way they think. Like, I understood where each of them was coming from uh, by the end of the story. Like, they had their mysteries, but they also had good reasons and realistic flaws so yeah it's this game is really good it is definitely a gold star for me
1: oh okay guys one more point i wanted to add on top of all of what we've been saying is that just remember back to the idea that there's no other game like this right Mm -hmm. like games And maybe even just things that humans do are so very often an iterative process. Like, well, first they came out with this and that game was really cool. And then they added it to this game and then they took it a little further. But the fact that this game is the only one of its kind and yet it feels like it built off the back of hundreds of other games to get to how amazing it is. It's incredible. Like... It's not like oh, Pyre was really cool. But what's really awesome is that like three years later on the PlayStation Four, what really came out was the awesome was this game, you know, uh, <laughs> Liberation. <laughs> you know, like that was the one that was like really fucking great. No, they like in the same way that we we gave them a lot of leeway and and reasonably so in Transistor, right? Like oh, they were learning in Transistor for this particular mechanic and maybe they would do it better later. This game feels like. I I don't think I have anything to say about any mechanic here where I'm like, well they were like they're they're learning on this mechanic because they're in a totally new genre, so therefore like well hopefully like next game they'll fucking No, this is just nailed. And so I wanna start with my rating. And I actually think no, as in like ranking. Oh, uh, sorry. I was like, you,
3: you know, you've already it's... rated the game, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Do I? <laughs> McCoy, can you say your rating again? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it just starts like, well, I'm not going to add anything more. But, <laughs> and then just like, yeah. Uh, no, 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 no.
5: <laughs> we'll just spiral through our ratings.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Don't worry. It'll be yeah. quicker this time. <laughs> the stars are fading, um, but also aligning. Okay. um, I've been thinking about it a little bit, and I may regret this, but I think Pyre is number one for me, for Supergiant Games. I actually think it is, because Fashion holds a very special place in my heart because when I played it at the time, it was truly incredible. I played it again, and I was very, very thankful that it didn't suck. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I was like, oh my God, it's still good, that's awesome. This game held up like a motherfucker to the current day. This game was shining like a bright star right now. And that is just, that is unbelievable. Like, every part of this game, to me, like, was awesome. I enjoyed dunking on people. I enjoyed learning about these characters. I enjoyed the music. I enjoyed myself so much more. I think, even though I love Super Giant games, I was kind of not looking forward to this block. Because I remember being like, you know, Bastion was kind of simple. Am I still going to enjoy it now that I've played so much more action games? Like, Transistor, I didn't really get into it. But it was just so amazing in so many other ways. Like, am I going to... I don't want to not like these games. Do you understand? But Pyre was just incredible. So I think it's number one, which is crazy. And I'm curious to see where other people put it. And then I think after that, it probably goes Bastion Oof. Hades Transistor. I think that's where I go. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And I know everyone is like, "Oh my God, McCoy hates fucking Hades." Yeah, I mean, I hate like the gameplay, but I hate the gameplay of Tristan too. So, so they got to battle it out. <laughs> um, and I think they're both amazing in every other component, so it's hard to, to rank them. But yeah, I think Passion and Pyre are standing tall. And Pyre number one—that's fucking crazy. So okay, I will pass in the same order. Oh my God, that's a quiz. Do you remember what the order was? I don't know. Oh, Let's God. find out. James, it James it next. Was, it was James. <laughs> oh Lord.
2: Um... Ranking these games is hard, dude. mm mm-hmm. <sighs> um, I think... I think I'm going to go... <laughs> in reverse chronological order. I think it's Hades and Empire and then Transistor, and then Bastion.
1: Okay. Hmm.
2: Um, and that's like, the thing is, it's starting at a two-thumbs-up game, and then going up to another two-thumbs-up game, and then a Gold Star game, and then a Gold Star game. Like, it's not, it's not a widespread. It's like, they're all awesome. Um, I really enjoyed Transistor, um, once I figured out, once again, how to play it, Mm uh, (laughs) um, I think that there's a lot of really cool stuff in Transistor. I think, um, I'm probably a little bit more forgiving of its flaws than McCoy is, um, And, um, I actually like Hades, which changes that.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Reasonable. Uh Dynamic
2: a little bit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I just think that they just keep getting better. They just keep getting better at making games. Um, and, uh, sometimes they make, choices that are like slight steps back, but the whole product um is is better than than what they did before. So that's me, Zoe.
0: Yeah, it's guys, it's really difficult once you have to rank them. I think I'm going to go Higher Hades transistor Bastion. And much like what James was echoing, that's not to say that Bastion is the worst out of them, because it's yeah. really just like going like for for me, actually, literally, like what I've ranked all of these, it's like gold star versus gold star versus gold star. So it's just like one of them has <laughs> to be yeah, last. I'm sorry. True.
1: Yeah, yeah, true, true.
0: Um I I think. I really like Pyre and I think what outranks it over Hades for me is, um, I actually think McCoy brought it up earlier in this podcast, but like Hades, the runs eventually kind of become a little bit routine in the sense that it's like, you know, you have to clear this room of enemies and this room of enemies before you get to X-Boss. Um, Pyre, at least for me, offers the variability of how the rights can be performed And I think that's why I enjoy it more as a game and actually why I could see myself, you know, reliving my title as, you know, that which does multiple playthroughs, (laughs) all of which have the same outcome. Um, Because, like, I don't know, I I enjoyed... You know, once I got the hang of it, I really enjoyed actually conducting the rites and seeing what I could do and trying new combinations. And I think I could do that in more variable ways than maybe um like oddly enough, I could do it in more variable ways than what Hades can offer for me because I am not all that great of a rogue light player. Um that being said, like Hades is really up there in terms of the story and the characters um as well as just the fun gameplay itself transistor it always holds a special place in my heart being the first super giant game i played i just love the visuals and i think i love um I, i i do uh like the innovative combat that it has flaws and all uh, and then bastion is just fun to play as well like like i said it's just gold star versus mm-hmm. gold star it's not to say one is over the other but i think that's where i'm just gonna have to have to put them just
1: clarify it is to say now. one is over the other fuck that rankings <laughs> matter and you are attacking the games lower on your list totally understood
0: exactly yep. fuck them <laughs> fuck whoever likes them not even worth next playing. person <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. all right go ahead later um
3: yeah so i boldly said earlier this was quote easy and I think for me, okay, one, I haven't played Hades so I get to cop out because I don't have to rank all of them. I only have to rank the three that I've played because I don't know if I like Hades or not. I but, do feel like oh, no, I'm kidding. I need to like go do my due diligence at this point. <laughs> yeah, you should play Hades and report back. I think back. I should play Hades and report back. That's right. Because... Yo, yo, by
1: the way, in Hades, they be fucking.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I <mean, laughs> I'm <was> ready. <laughs> There's a romance novel in there. I will find it. So... Um, yeah, but so I thought I was gonna get to be edgy and go before McCoy again, and I was I gonna put I was, I'm so I'm very upset. um, I was gonna put pyre over yeah. Bastion,, yeah. even though Bastion was my first game love, like it was one of the first games I played. Um, as a grown up, I guess, on my own, um, not on my own, but like that I actually played, I loved it. I still love it. I stand by that I think the soundtrack to Bastion is still the best soundtrack out of all these games, and I will fight anybody who thinks differently. But I think overall, like as a whole package, um, Pyre is really incredible. I'm really impressive on how much they managed to accomplish and how ambitious it is. Um, I think I agree with. I think it was James who was saying it. They kind of just seem to be getting better at better what they do, um, and I think Pyre is sort of like the pinnacle of that. And I haven't played Hades, so maybe pin- Hades is like the pinnacle pinnacle. But I'll 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 figure that out later. Um, so for me, it's undoubtedly Pyre, Bastion, and then Transistor last. Yeah, Raphael, bring us home.
5: Yeah. So. Pyre and Hades are definitely at the top for me. And it is very difficult for me to rank them because the ways in which they excel for me are very different. Mm -hmm. Like Hades, I just, I loved the gameplay and the story was also great. Like it it wasn't the the shining star of that game for me. It was the gameplay, but the story was extremely good as well. Like, and the art and the music and everything, like Supergiant Games just like always has these amazingly well-polished, like every facet of the game except for maybe transistor (laughs) (laughs) reasonable um (laughs) oh god i think i mean so i guess i i do really enjoy gameplay but i think the thing that's really closest to my heart is really the perspective and like looking at things from different angles and reinterpreting things and pyre just has a away with that, that... Uh, I mean, no other game has done that for me. I've, I've read books, maybe, that made me think a little bit in this way, but... Yeah, so I think I'll put Pyre at the top, and then Hades, and then Bastion,
1: and then Transistor. Did anyone fucking think we were going to have Pyre so goddamn high on no. all of our lists at the Pyre start of this I think Pyre is no. a
3: very strong contender for most unexpected or, like, most surprising this Pire,
1: year. Pyre is, like, a magnitude of 100x deeper than any other giant games, and I love all of them for their depth. And it's like, Pyre is just here being something I've never seen before. Like, <sighs> it's a masterpiece, yeah. you guys. <laughs> we did one. it. We talked about it. Good job, everyone. I think it might be time for us to go home, but...
0: We are all being liberated.
1: For the last It time. is now time the for all of us to conduct our
0: liberation rites.
5: The pyres are lit. The triumvirates are present and prepared.
0: I call Tiso.
1: The pyres are lit. And as was concluded by this podcast, pyre is lit. Good night, everyone. Oh, God. Oh, God.
4: Let's
5: well, just oh, stop right there. Oh, and I thought i i didn't even get to my pyres incendiary pun oh do you want to make it really oh, no. quick i'm still recording <laughs> it's
3: okay i kind of stole it he just Did used I? lit instead of incendiary yeah
5: yeah well so i mean i was saying it's incendiary in in that it's like it's a dangerous thing to be like let's reinterpret our traditions like mm-hmm. a lot of people see that as an attack um and so pyre is really encouraging that in a very thoughtful and interesting way and I, I, I value that. But anyway, so Pyre is incendiary. They're also burning books and then stopping the burning of books. And that's cool because we like books.
3: We do like books. Who Hell books? Yeah.
2: You heard it here first. And that is the turn of thumbs up. <laughs> <official> Rita. <sentence>. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that,
0: was good, that was a good one. What did James <laughs> yeah. say? Fuck, I missed well, it.
1: Well, I'm not recording.
2: So no, he
0: just said uh, like... Rita.
1: <laughs> ah, okay. I'm like sort of, okay. Like, let's do more work tomorrow, McCoy. But <laughs> maybe I can make this work. Ah. <laughs> uh.